0: Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, September 9th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all kind of freaky Friday. We'll do some trucking technology and efficiency. I think... Uh, I heard some story about Joel outrunning the popo this morning, and he will probably be joining us. I don't see him on the board yet, but uh, we will get there, I'm sure. So we're going to open the phone lines right now. Go ahead and jump in. I don't have a lot. I'm kind of waiting. For, oh, no, Joel is here. I guess I should refresh my board once in a while. I'm gonna, just going to bring him in right now, and we'll get started on this. Joel, Good morning.
1: Morning.
2: Howdy, howdy, just dodging the long arm of the law this morning.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, what are you, working out that overdrive gear? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: I, I actually got to do that on a test track, and it was pretty fun. So. Did you really? Um, May... Yeah, I may possibly have an opportunity to get it out on the salt flats later this month. Oh, and, that'd uh, be fun. Take all the restrictions off it and just see how fast the snow
0: bitch will go. So that would be really I'm fun. I'm
2: thinking, thinking we can get about 130 mile an hour out of it, but uh, we'll see.
0: You know, I'm not that far from Salt Lake City. That'd be worth a trip. <laughs> well, I'll let you know what they yeah. say. Um, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna be out
2: out in Salt Lake I think the 22nd through the 27th and okay. uh, they're trying to put something together where that may be a possibility so we'll see.
0: Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be really fun. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, yeah, good stuff. What uh, what else you got going on this week? I've been seeing all kinds of pictures of that purple truck. That's got to be exciting. It, it, Yeah.
2: I I spent the week, uh, down at new river Valley at Volvo's production facility. Um, got to hang out with a lot of the, uh, the guys in the factory. It was kind of cool. Um, you know, get to, get to talk to them and they're all excited down there. Uh, the truck is just absolutely spot on coming out of the factory. It's, uh, one of the better trucks that I've gotten out of the factories in terms of how it is set up. So they're, they're learning. I mean, they're, they're starting to get Good. the parameters right. They're they're starting to get things right, and without a whole lot of tweaking, and uh, done a done a few hot laps with it with with absolutely no tweaking, and it uh, it it was pretty damn impressive. It it impressed the camera crew that was riding with me. We uh we got on at a couple of the straightaways and through some of the tight corners. and it's got the sway bar with the Primax suspension, and it. It sticks to the track, and I, I threw it into the curves pretty hard, and it kind of rolled the camera crew over <laughs> the
1: truck and
2: they were like, "Holy shit!" But yeah, we were we were getting right with it. So nice. performed beautifully, uh, ran really good on the way home. Um, now I, I bobtailed home, but yeah, I left yeah. Uh, New River Valley, went up to Blacksburg, across four sixty through the Narrows, where it's super hilly, and then up I seventy seven through Virginia, West Virginia. And then 33 in Ohio, um, so you know, pretty hilly. But it's yeah. done uh, 14.8 coming home. So I was uh, there. You go real, real happy. It done 14 14.4 through the hilly section from Dublin, Virginia, to Charleston, West Virginia, um, which is just about a half a mile a gallon better overall than my last test truck, and through the the on the flat it was almost seven tenths of a mile gallon better so um Pretty
0: damn impressive. That is, that is. You know, some of the uh, the most fun I've had in a truck was at a test track. I went down to um, the proving grounds, Michelin's proving grounds in South Carolina, and got to spend a couple of days there. That was a lot of fun. You know, and you can go out and they put the outriggers on the truck, and you know, all kinds. So you can do all yeah. kinds of crazy things, never worry about rolling over. And we did these high speed lane changes, and basically we were comparing the handling. Different Difference between duels and singles. And I was pretty shocked. There was a A, noticeable difference, but you didn't really get to mm -hmm. the difference until you pushed the tire past its limit. And I I tried to explain to people, because I've been hearing complaints about this tire, that tire forever, and not just wide singles. I Mm -hmm. I can remember a wider came out with a report once, and I swear to God, I think they were attacking me directly. They came out with some report that (laughs) low rolling resistance (laughs) tires were dangerous,
2: yeah, I, I remember that. Right when they first came out, yeah, and,
1: and, and uh, there, w-
2: there were some challenges there. But I mean, there always is. So well, and nothing to, that we we couldn't
0: work through. To say they're dangerous, come on, I really, we yeah, you think no, that's what caused yeah. an accident was the tire itself. Uh, come on, by the time tires right. are on the road and they, they've got a year or two, there are some really, really bad tires out there that have nothing to do with rolling right. resistance or anything else. I mean, most tires on no, the, I, on the I, road today with a reasonably good driver are never going to be a problem. No, I, I, I agree. I absolutely agree. So you will be very, very happy to
2: hear that I will be doing some work with Michelin. We're going to we're going to revisit the whole wide-base tire thing on a 6x2. Good, um, good. I think, I think that we have the technology on the truck figured out in terms of torque management and the correct suspension for the 6x2 to really effectively use these to their fullest potential. And Michelin has done some things. And and I've been pretty tough on Michelin on their wide base tires for oh,
0: several Jay, years you now. You and I have talked um, about it several uh, times.
2: Yeah, I, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I've been, I've been pretty damn, I'm surprised they even talked to me yeah. just to say the truth. <laughs> but I, I give them a lot of credit. I give them a lot of credit for for stepping up. But it, they yeah. have an extremely interesting tire coming out. Their newest version of their wide base, and and I I don't remember the nomenclature because I've been away from Michelin for so long, but this is a very directional tire, and I believe that's important for wet traction to have an aggressively directional tire. And as it wears, it's pretty cool. I think it's a three- or four-groove tread design, but once you get past the halfway point, it opens up to a seven-groove design to help – that traction after the halfway wow. point. And I just thought to myself, that is, that is just freaking awesome. So yeah, I'm actually really excited to try this again because, you know, I got my ass kicked with them. We tried for <laughs> 10 years to make them work and we could never do it. And so this is. This is really exciting, and, and honestly, I can't really believe I'm hearing myself say I'm excited about a wide-day tire, I know. but right I know, here that's kind of funny. That, that looks really, really good, yeah. But yeah. you know so what? That, that's... Pretty excited to get them
0: on the truck. It, it's part of doing what we do. You have to keep your mind open. You know, you can't get so locked into some idea that you're not willing to look at it if it changes again. Like, if it's still the same old thing and I've already been through all that, then I'm not going to change my mind. But things change. Things change, you know, quite a bit sometimes.
2: Right. And this is kind of the whole idea behind my my alpha drivers testing and consulting Um, for a fleet to go out and take that chance or really even an owner operator before it's been evaluated in the real world, that can really kick your ass.
0: Absolutely,
2: I mean, it, it really can. So, it, you know, I, I'm hoping to get these things on here and, and I'm going to just throw it out for what it's worth. You know, it, if, right. if, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it they're going to hear about That's it. That's right. And uh, so, it, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to have the opportunity Uh, You know, this stuff gets very, very expensive to to test tires like this. It is not cheap, and uh, so I'm I'm happy that they're coming on board and going to partner with me to do some testing on these, and we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, you said you were kind of surprised after you beat them up over the years that they were still willing to work with you. That is how that company works. I have a tremendous amount of respect for them. Now, I worked with them for years. It's like every other big company. You go in, you build a relationship with people. I didn't build a relationship with Michelin. I built a relationship with this person. And then, you know, like big corporations, those people move around a lot. And then the next thing you know, the program you've been working on, there's somebody new. They don't understand it. They're not interested. They're just trying to take, you know, their new job position. And so there were struggles over the years. But the one thing I will say, they were always really good about. I told them in the beginning, I said, look, I, I love your tires. I've been promoting them long before you were paying me to promote them, but If you tune Mm -hmm. into my show one day and you hear me recommending a continental tire for somebody, don't call me complaining because it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to recommend a Mm -hmm. Michelin every time just because it's a Michelin. There are tires out there. There are situations Mm -hmm. out there where you don't have the best tire and you know it and I know it. And my listeners are going Mm -hmm. to know that they were fine with that. They never once had a problem with that. Sure. Sure. Sure.
2: No, it, it, like I, like I said, I was just I was really kind of raised an eyebrow when some of my contacts at Volvo
0: called me and said, "Hey, they hey, want to talk
2: to you." I said, "Are yeah, you serious?" That's they, but said, they said, "Yeah, it's like all right." So you know, I, I cool think stuff. that
0: they're confident enough in their product that they they seek out opportunities well, like that. Let's find somebody, and and clearly, you're not just some guy on Facebook saying I bought a Michelin tire and it was junk, and they won't stand. But that's not the case. I mean, clearly they can see that you test things, you you explained why it wasn't working. You didn't just say, this is junk, it's never going to work. You, we really talked about why it doesn't mm-hmm. work in a fleet situation nearly as well. And that's the right. whole point behind NACFI. That's why NACFI was formed, right. to be able to go out and help right. fleets, learn what technologies can work and what can't, because you and I both know it's difficult and expensive to do this kind of testing. Yeah, absolutely.
2: It is. It, speaking of, of difficult, some of the things that, you know, the, the hoops that I'm jumping through to be as transparent as possible. And, and of course, you know how this goes. So I, I laid out just my post coming home because I've had a lot of people just interested in asking so in this post, I clearly said like four times that I'm just bobtailing home.
0: Oh, my
3: God. Oh, you're
2: trying to mislead people. Oh, my God. So, Come
0: on. Let, let, Come let, on. I know. Let uh, me jump in there. I wasn't even going to mention this because it seems like kind of maybe a weird anomaly. So and. The same thing about bob-tailing. I'm never going to get on there and brag about the fuel economy. I got bob-tailing. But I might report it once in a while. It's just information. And to hear your number at at 14 and it was slightly better than your last truck, one of the numbers that was surprising for me, that first signature truck that we built and had in the Louisville Truck Show uh, from Louisville to Denver, I actually got like Mm -hmm. 15.1 bob-tailing. Hmm. I right. was pretty shocked. Right. I mean, that was a pretty incredible number. Yeah. Now that that truck was yeah. barely breaking nine in the real world pulling freight, we it, we we never really right. got to a thirty-day average at nine. We would break it occasionally, and mm-hmm. we would be in the really high eights. But Bob Tailing, that thing actually mm-hmm. did fifteen. Now here's the other thing. I was driving it like a hypermiler. You know, I'm coasting and, you know, doing all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff just to see what kind of a number I could get. Right, right.
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I was
2: just, I've got so much interest on this truck and had so many people asking me for for data since I got it on the road. So exactly. I just thought I'd be really right. clear and say I'm bobtailing here. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really mean a whole lot other than I'm comparing it to my other ones that I drove home. Correct. On the right. And it's a little yeah. better. So yeah. that's it. That's encouraging. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, well, geez, op oh Pete, people but, get their feelings hurt, and it's just I know.
0: crazy. <laughs> but you you deal with this other anyway. one just as much as I have over the years, and this one always made me crazy. You'd post some kind of fuel number, and immediately they start asking questions. How heavy were you? Where were you? And, oh, well, of course, well, I could get 10 miles to the gallon in Kansas going east with a tailwind and 10,000 pounds, too. And my answer was, bullshit. Right. No, you can't. Try it, right? right. It's not going to happen, right? Right.
2: And here, here's another shocker. I think to people to to learn this. So, um, Volvo's got a couple. They call them data scientists, and they go out and they they just analyze, you know, big bunches of data. So they were looking at grades throughout the country, and they broke the country down into the geographical regions, and they were looking at the percent of time you were on a grade over a certain percentage and I, I don't remember what the exact numbers were but what everybody loves to say is well come out west and try that um you are on grade more often in the east absolutely than you are out west believe it or not absolutely <laughs> yes, and yes. It, it's, the, the the they're not as tall but they're, uh, they have a frequency that, you know, more often on grade. And, and that shocks a lot of people to learn that that you're on grade more often. And historically, when I go out west, I kick ass. I mean, I, whenever somebody I, says that, I just kind of giggle to myself, going, yep, I'll come right I, out there.
1: Exactly. Come,
0: I've got there no are, problem. <laughs> there are long stretches out west where you barely have an incline anywhere. You can run for hours and hours yeah. and hours, never hit a hill. When you hit some of those hills on the East yep. Coast and, you know, get into New Hampshire, West Virginia, some of those places, they're steep. Yeah. They're short and they're steep and they're, right. over, they're, and they're over and over and over.
2: It's, it's Yes, yes. Well, from Dublin, Virginia to Blacksburg up to Charleston to Athens, Ohio. I don't think there's a flat stretch of real estate I think the whole there way is either. It's 390 can, something miles and it's just up, it's and down. up and down. Yeah. So right, the the big one you hear about is I'll come out and do Eisenhower. Well, <laughs> you get over Eisenhower and that there's, like, there's a long, nice long stretch going down. I mean, it's
1: <laughs> Yeah. It's,
2: so I I typically do much better out west even in the the Mountain West um my fuel mileage has always been better and I, I know there's a lot of people their head are exploding right now, but that's traditionally that's just the way it's been. Even even heavy I do well. So the the load that I'm taking out to do some to do some filming out in Salt Lake City, that will be I think seventy eight thousand pounds and I'll be picking that up in Greensboro and, and heading out. So I'll, well, there I'll have a, go. a good heavy one. Yeah. Right off right off the bat around the salt lake city so we'll see what that does but uh definitely excited to get this thing on the road um i think it's gonna it's gonna turn some big numbers and and quite frankly i have to the the freightliner folks are putting up some fantastic numbers henry albert's out there kicking butt. clark reed's really really doing well um they've really got that dd15 on top of its game right now in that gen 5 configuration and uh So it's going to get, it's going to get fun. Um, I know Nack he's talking about doing another run on less with the original guys where we, we broke 10 on that that first run on less. And that would be, that would be really interesting to get Clark and Henry and me and all the guys back and, and uh, put that together. I think that would get a lot of attention as well.
0: Yeah, it would. And I know we talked about it before, but we also got to push to get Steve Krohn, one of those new internationals and make him part of the whole thing.
2: Yeah, they they they're dropping the ball over there at international. Not not picking him up. They they should have done that a long time ago. Yeah, um, had him yeah. In, in something. But uh, and you know, not not just for Steve's sake, and it'd be a great thing for him, no doubt. But for you know everybody in general, so Absolutely. you know what the actual potential of that truck truly is. Um, you know, you get a bunch of just average drivers, and you put them in a great truck. You're going to see mediocre numbers and think, yeah, that truck really ain't ain't that good. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it, it's important for them to to get some talent over there and and be able to really push that truck out to its its limits and show the world what it can do because, it, it, you know, on paper that's going to be a damn good truck. There's just it sure seems no like no way it. around it. It is going to be yeah. a damn good truck, and um, you know, I, as much as Steve loves us. I'm sure that that new truck will just blow that thing right out of the water.
0: Yeah. Um, It's going to be very, very good. So, yeah, yeah, it'll
2: be interesting.
0: Yeah, it sure will be. Uh, what else we got going on? We got some calls coming in. I don't know if I have anything else this week other than, uh, I took some of my own advice. You know, I tell people all the time, if you're going to be in trucking, you better find a good shop, build a relationship, give them as uh-huh. much of your business as you can. And, uh, it's, uh-huh. it's worth it. So, you know, I took up this new sport wing foiling and uh-huh. Uh-huh. second, second day in, I already have a replaced, uh, re- Relationship with a repair shop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what's your uh, What's your life insurance company? Oh <laughs> man! Oh man! Yeah,
0: yeah. I just tore the hell out of my wing. Wow! Not once. Wow! Not yeah, twice.
1: I gotta check. I, I gotta but get
0: three times. I can hear you talking about it, and I have, I have
2: yet to see any of this go down, so I got to check it out. Oh, so, yeah, so it, it, sounds, just, it sounds it sounds fun, but uh, it, it, you know, it, I it,
0: haven't haven't actually seen it. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's and all these stories and complaints; these will all disappear as soon as I learn how to do this. You know, everything is difficult mm-hmm. right now. Everything is a challenge. Hell, the hardest part of this whole sport sure. is. Um, Getting the, I've got an echo coming from somewhere. i got to figure out why. Um, getting your equipment into the water to get going. you got to carry this big board with this giant foil sticking three feet up. And the the foil is like a guillotine. It's got so many sharp edges. And then you got to carry this wing. And you're hoping for 25 knot winds because those are good conditions. And now you're trying to carry all this stuff. In, and and all of it grabs the wind and so I'm in the water and I'm trying to get out. I'm tired. Of, so I've got the board flipped upside down because we're in the shallows. So you got to have your foil sticking up and you float your board along and then mm-hmm. you kind of fly your wing behind you. So I'm trying to tie it all up, and I I screwed up. I grabbed the wing in the wrong place. The wind grabbed it, flipped it right into the foil, and I heard the big tear. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's my second day. (laughs) (laughs) So, of course, you panic, and I grab it right away, and I try to pull it off of the foil. This is a wing, and the wind's now blowing 25 knots. Six people wouldn't have been able to pull that wing off of there. But I managed. To, no, right, to right. get it off just enough that when the wind grabbed it again, it made a new tear. And then I did it again. I pulled it off and the wind grabbed it and made a third tear and I'm like, Oh my god, just quit. Just stop.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Uh, wow. Yeah,
2: it sounds sounds like you had a few challenges.
0: <laughs> yeah, a few challenges. So now my I got an email this morning. Awesome system. You stop in, they have lockers outside, you put your wing or your kite in a locker, you scan a form, and they send you an email when it's fixed. Obviously, you tear these wings and kites up a lot, because we have repair shops all over, so I guess it's going to be a pretty common thing. But now it's fixed. Gotcha, the next gotcha, gotcha. four days, I, I'm probably going to become a certified weatherman here pretty soon. Um, now I'm a freak uh, about yeah, the I wind. Spoke, yeah. yeah. So the next four days are just awful. <laughs> just awful. There's wind, but it's all screwy the and wrong direction. Yeah. And yeah, it's a mess. So uh, gotcha. no winging this weekend. Gotcha. <sighs> Gotcha.
2: Well, good. You'll have time to pack me up a fleet air filter and send it to me for the truck. And there you go. I have got yes. to get on fuel. I got to get this thing on fuel gauges. Um, what else do I need to do? There's a couple yeah, of things do. that I needed to talk to you about too, as, as far as this, uh, the truck goes and, uh, we talked about your other one, your profit gauges, possibly doing something yeah. with that as well yeah. as we get started here. And, um, uh, there were a couple other things that and I can't remember I I mean I've just had so many things I'll going bet. on, it's just been
0: crazy. Bet. But uh um
2: yeah, so uh I'll touch base with you on that. I I wanna get that, that fleet air filter coming sounds and sounds good. Uh, get in the damn thing and we'll go from there. But uh All yeah, right. let's take some calls from some let's, people if we've got anything on the board.
0: Let's do that. Let's go to Michigan to get started. Ron, welcome to the program. <laughs>
2: Hey, Kevin. Hey, uh,
5: I don't get a chance to listen to you as often as I used to, and I I know uh recently I heard you mention that you were going to do a show um on the COVID vaccine. And I'm looking to get some information on that. I've got a uh, an international trip that I'm planning in January and they're uh, they're trying to force me to get this thing, and I'd really like to get some more information on it. I'm wondering if there's an archived show somewhere in your uh, library that I can reference to uh, um. get some information on that.
0: Not really. I haven't done one show on it, and I keep threatening that I'm going to. The reason I don't is because the information keeps piling up, and every time I get ready to do a show, something else comes out, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, I'm going to go research this. It's like never-ending. So, But I can give you a really good resource if you just want to go get... I, most of my information starts with, uh, with just like one person. And then, of course, I follow up and go make okay. sure. So uh, almost all of my research at least starts at this place. Um, so look up. It, it's on a, a site called Substack. So Substack is a platform. And then writers and journalists and that kind of stuff, independents use it to, to kind of like a blog post kind of thing. So it's Alex Berenson. So it'd be like, if I remember, okay. right, it's like Alex.Berenson at... Dot Substack or something, but if you just search Alex Berenson Substack, you'll find it. You can read most of his stuff free. A lot of times, what he'll do is he'll kind of give you half of the article, the the gist of it, free, and then there'll be another piece behind a paywall for subscribers. I subscribe. I don't know. It's like. I don't even know, 50 bucks a year or something. I don't know what it is. Um, and you wouldn't need to subscribe. You can he, he gives quite a bit of the information away free. So if you want to start there and do some research, here's the thing I can tell you. Um, I, I'm just going to be completely honest about this. There is no way I would ever take that shot, ever. There's no way there, they would get me to do it. There is nothing they could hold over me that would convince me to take that shot.
5: Yeah. And I'm kind of along the same lines, but I'm building in the Philippines right now. And, uh, you know, really looking forward to uh, getting moved over there and they're, uh, they're still uh, basing all their information on this archaic information. And,
0: uh, it just sucks. I uh,
5: really like to get over there and, uh, and spend some time this winter and start getting some things in motion. And, uh, unfortunately they're, uh, they're pushing me to get this stupid thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's awful that we are forcing people to do this. Let people choose. If they want to get it, get it. But... Man, oh, man, the people that have been forced to choose this, it's just criminal, really is. And and uh, again, the reason, like I say, I just came across some new data yesterday, some new reporting that right now, right now, if you really dig into the statistics that are available, when somebody currently is vaccinated and boosted, they are now twice as likely to end up in the hospital with COVID. And nobody is talking about that.
5: Yeah, no, I'm really, you know, I had COVID. I almost died from it. It really walloped me. And uh, I firmly believe in the effect of natural immunity and uh I just have to believe that this spike protein has a detrimental effect on that. And uh I, I just i'm really against this. I mean The
0: evidence seems to be overwhelming. It isn't working at the very least. Yeah. uh, So there's just the first piece. Okay. so it's just not working. Well, if that was the worst of it. okay, give me the jab if you have to. If I have to do it to move to this country I want to move to, I guess I'll take it. That's not even the half of it. That's nothing. What I'm worried about and we will not know this answer for a long time there are lingering effects for a lot of people that spike protein stays in the body. We're finding it in tissues. Their immune system is weakened over this. And we don't know how bad this might get. Will it eventually go away and stop causing problems or will it start killing people in five years? We don't know the answer to that.
5: Yeah. No, I, uh, I appreciate your help. Uh, You said Substack. Substack.
0: Alex Berenson is the guy you're looking for because Substack has, you know, 10,000 journalists on there and bloggers. And so it's Alex Berenson. He's got hands down the best information on the vaccine anywhere. He's been reporting on it from day one.
5: Okay. I wrote that down. I'll get on that this afternoon.
0: There you go. Thanks for the call. Good luck. I know it sucks to have to make that decision. I wish I had better news for you. Let's go to Iowa. Don, welcome to the program.
1: Hi,
2: Kevin. Hi, Joel. How are you?
0: Good. What's on your mind today?
2: You. Now, just a, a short comment about the, the guy, the previous caller, there was a friend of mine died a couple of days ago that, uh, They
6: claimed it was a heart attack, and they went in. They weren't quite
2: sure, and they found out that there was a blood clot in an artery. Oh boy! Speaking of that, speaking of that, when I had my heart surgery, my surgeon he just said, "Do not take that (laughs) Um, uh, under any circumstances." He's like, "Don't do it," it." and because he had asked me, he goes, "He goes, have Have you been vaccinated?" And I said. No, and I really don't want to. Right. He gave me the thumbs up and he said, don't do not do
0: it. And, and you know so what? I thought that was pretty cool. It, and, uh, it is. And as a doctor, mm-hmm. he has to be careful saying that.
2: Yeah, he, yeah, you could tell. Right? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. He had to be real careful of it.
0: And, and doesn't that suck? Uh, we are supposed to trust our yeah, doctors. They want us to trust our doctors. But now we know we can't trust our doctors because they're being forced to say things or not say things right
1: right
2: well there was two nights ago uh steve summers on the overnight show had uh, just toward the end of his show he said he had had a couple of things he didn't get completely into it but they were finding more research that uh more and more people were coming down with uh blood clots and they were he said i'm you know of course with him being on uh youtube and um facebook and that he's been uh, banned, or uh, not? shouldn't say band, he's been a uh, time out on Facebook for, for uh, YouTube for quite a few times. But anyway, um, their the research is coming back that it's coming back to the jab, but he can't, you know, say that he wants to stay on YouTube for, for the show. But anyway, yeah, some guy on there are going to be on there for that. So
3: just kind of crazy, crazy shit,
0: you know? Yeah, it is all for all for money i think so you know i, I you know I, I know we've come up with all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories about population control and you know they're going to turn us all into nanobots or something i don't know but the the real simple answer to this might just be follow the money
3: yeah well, well you can't follow the money cuz you don't get anywhere but if you follow or, it, right, yeah, follow yeah. the money cuz if
2: you follow the science you you won't get anywhere
0: yeah exactly
2: yeah, so anyway, hey Joel, I uh, mm-hmm. just got a text back a couple of days ago from my uh, dealer that we're dealing with for this new, new truck, and they mm-hmm. shipped everything off to Volvo, for uh, mm-hmm. they're okay, and mm-hmm. evidently we, they're having problems going from the 13.6 front axle to the 14.6 or whatever it is, so they got to get an okay by a couple of, by the engineers and that that sound kind of common it shouldn't be but uh they they should approve that i mean it it shouldn't be a problem i i've never had to have an approval on it in the past but maybe something's changed that i'm not aware of but uh i'll I'll see if i can double check i I know some some folks up there that that work in the approval department I'll, i'll see if i can find out what's going on okay all right and uh uh this lift axle that we're putting on is there going to be like pros and cons with tire wear extra tire wear and that on that lift axle am I going to run into a whole lot of problems and it's not going to be worth my time no you shouldn't as long as we set parameters right and we get the heavy duty adaptive loading package so um hopefully that's what they have asked for was the heavy duty adaptive loading package and that should give you the 14 six front suspension along with the primax rear suspension and primax okay. is important be- because it's non-torque reactive which means we when you're light or empty we're not going to get any frame rise and so we'll have variation in contact patch on the tire so that's the number one important thing that we're we're looking at there number two when we do i torque we have the option of um adaptive torque essentially and it gives us like five major torque curves and about 30 sub variants that it automatically figures so we've got very sophisticated torque management along with the non-torque reactive suspension and that means we should get very good tire wear um i have never had a tire wear issue when i have the spec correct if we just open up the horsepower and don't set the parameters and we put the standard voas suspension on it you're gonna you're gonna burn through tires it's just that's just what's gonna happen so we we definitely want to make sure that we've got the spec nailed down 100 percent so you don't run into that situation and uh Yeah, you you get out to the truck stop and you start talking to people about six by twos. You're going to hear all kinds of horror stories and they are based in reality, but they're based on a poorly spec truck with crappy parameters. And, you know, when you get it right, you know, the devil's in in the details. And uh, when you get it right, you're just fine. If you don't get it right, you're going to pay the price. So let's make sure we get this right, I guess. Okay what um, what would you suggest then from the factory with the, for that tire for that lift axle? Just run the steer tire that they put on it If they're putting a steer tire on it, yeah um, I prefer a trailer tire because they're typically lower rolling resistance they weigh a little bit less and if they put steer tires on it, um, generally you can make a make a trade and come up with some extra cash at a, at a tire dealer. If you don't have other trucks to put the steer tires on, typically I just end up giving them to my brother and, and you know, he'll put them on in, in his fleet, but uh, a trailer tire is what's preferred, but uh, you can live with a steer tire. If, if if you don't have any other place to put it or you don't want right. to, you know, go through the hassle of taking them off, it'll, it'll work just fine. Okay. Now, are you guys having good luck with Bridgestone? I've always had good luck with Michelins, but for some reason, they put Bridgestones on this. Um, well, Bridgestones are easier to come by nowadays than what the Michelins are. Um, okay. I, I, my, my brother is running Bridgestones in the fleet at the moment. Um, they, they have been pretty impressive in terms of tire life. I am not thrilled with uh, the fuel efficiency on them, but I'm nitpicking at this point, you know, me, I'm, if I'm not at, you know, 13 or 14, I'm not happy, but uh, for, for the majority of people, I I think they're, they're just fine. Um, The one thing about the stone steer tires, and I've always thought this, and this is a personal opinion. I do not like the way they handle. I never have liked the way Bridgestone steer tires handle. And it almost doesn't matter what model it is, and I know that sounds weird because they're wildly different tread patterns and compounding on them. But to me, wow. there's something that Michelin or not Michelin, but Bridgestone is doing in steer tires that they just feel kind of soft up front. And maybe it's the the belt, the way the belts are run through the casing. You know, I, I don't know. They're just a little bit soft for me. Other people just absolutely love them, so uh, I wouldn't be afraid of them. Okay. Now, with you running, you are going to do some testing on those white singles. If this truck's going to be nine months to 16 months out, is that a, a spec that I can change? after? You know, if you decide that, hey, this white singles are going to be the thing to work, is that something that we'd be able to change at a later date or is something after the fact? You should be able to. Um, when, when you, um, you haven't sent me an actual build sheet on that truck yet, have you? No, no, I'm still waiting for them to send it to me from from. Volvo. Okay, as, as soon as you have a build sheet, send it to me. I'll go over it okay. and we'll make sure that they've got the dual track axles and they've got the, you know, the 12.7 millimeter housing on the back and we've got all the, the, the correct running gear that'll give you the option to swap that out. Normally, they give you so many days before the build date to swap things. You want to double okay. check with, with your dealer what the cutoff date is. Um, I, I don't know. For some reason, I look at this Michelin tire, and I'm thinking this thing is just going to be
6: the shit. <laughs> <I> mean,
2: it's, <laughs> I mean, it's such a good, it's just such a good idea on this wear pattern. It really um, is. You know, I was really big into the, I was really big into the Yokohama because they were aggressively directional, and that works great in the wet, and that's what one of the issues that a six by two would have when it got wet, if you didn't have a very aggressively directional tire, you would get some traction issues and, and Yokohama kind of solved it with that, but they didn't have this, you know, uh, tire that as it gets to the halfway point, we get extra grooves. And to me, that's just absolutely brilliant. The guy that thought of that needs a medal or something, because that, <laughs> I don't know, it just seems like a great idea. Now, hopefully it doesn't blow up in my face, but, uh, Yeah, I'm thinking there's a good possibility that um, that may be the way to go. So just check with your dealer, see when the cutoff date is. We'll look at the spec, make sure you've got the right running gear that we can do either or. And then if it turns out that these things are the greatest thing since sliced bread, you can just call them and tell them to swap it over. Okay. All right. Now the the transmission... um, Mm-hmm. they they went they went to the 13 because the 14 wasn't available but it, it, yep. if this is like I said if this is going to be out any certain time would there be a chance of them getting more 14 speeds in it, it to... yeah if it if it becomes available you should be able to make that change as well so that yeah okay. that one regardless of how we're configured in the drive line, you should be able to make the swap to the 14 so keep fingers crossed that it does become available. I'm, I, I'm just a fan of that very deep reduction for sliding tandems and that, that type of stuff. Is it absolutely necessary? No, the 13 work just fine. My brother specs them into fleet and he has a lot of success with them. Um, the 14 it's a uh, kind of an owner operator thing. It's a, uh, I don't know. So it's a testosterone thing too. I've got a fourteen. You got a thirteen. With kind of thing, but uh, you know, I, I mean, it is what it is. So, um, but it, it does it does bring some value with that very deep reduction. Um, it's always nice to be able to slide tandems without looking like a rookie bouncing the truck all over the place and struggling with it and dumping your clutch out on the ground. So, uh,
1: okay.
2: if, it, if it does become available, I think it is absolutely worth the money on the upgrade. Okay. Did they put an air dog on yours at the factory or was that after? No, nothing at the factory yet. They haven't done any internal testing. They just don't have the engineering staff to get it in. And it's it's very expensive to do EPA level testing. And so, you know, with all the electric trucks stuff going on, you know, getting budgeting and getting manpower to do that type of test internally um, just hasn't happened yet. So, uh, I'm having one installed after the fact, and uh, I'm going to continue to do testing to the level that I can afford to do it. Um, I've been working really close with the AirDog people, and you know, they're pretty good for a small company wanting to do the right thing. They're going to the third party test facilities like West Virginia State University, Ohio State. They're going to Messiah Valley. And so it's just not their internal testing. They are reaching out to independent third parties and getting verification on stuff that we think that we see. We want that peer reviewed. So we're very confident when we say it reduces NOx and, you know, reduces particulate, it improves fuel efficiency. Um, and I'm real confident because of you know, they're willing to spend some money. That stuff's not cheap either. And, and they're willing to spend some money to do that type of stuff. So um, pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Okay. Well, okay. appreciate it. Well, that's all I got, Kevin. You guys right. have a great day. We'll chat with you later.
0: That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Hey, Joel, we've got some other calls, but a couple of things I wanted to go over here. I saw an interesting, um, some data from ATBS. Um, mm-hmm they have the best data owner operators around, you know, they, they handle usually around 15,000 owner operators a year. They have all their accounting numbers. So really good source of data. So what they did was they took this year through June. So the data ends in June of this year and it goes back to June of last year. So it's a 12 month period, but not a calendar year. So, Mm-hmm. It, think about last year in June. We were already talking about issues with rates. Things were already starting to come down right. That this time last year, by June last year. The interesting thing is, in that 12-month period, owner-operator net revenue only fell a $1,000. No, know, I, I, that does not surprise me. Um,
2: we, we've heard a lot of people bitching and complaining about You know, the rates dropping off and falling off. Um, And and now we don't play much in the spot market a little bit. And I know some people that are in the spot market. You have to work a little bit harder, but there are still some really decent rates out there. Um, Yeah. So there's money, definitely money to be made. It's just not as easy.
0: It was actually on less miles. Miles went down during that period. But net revenue only dropped a off $1, right? a <laughs> $1,000. Yeah. Net revenue dropped off a $1,000. My God, you, you would have thought it dropped off 10000 the way they're complaining and going that's out of business. Exactly what, that's Sheesh.
2: exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, then so the lots other...
2: of opportunity still out there. Absolutely. And, and there, there will continue to be. Yeah,
0: there yep. will. There's going to be new opportunities soon. All kinds of crazy opportunities with cheap trucks are going to be around and freight's going to, you know, right. change right. and shift. And yeah, this is the time to start paying attention. Um, the other thing, and I'm just yep. fascinated by this, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today, but have you been following the saga over at FedEx with that contractor?
2: I've been seeing bits and pieces of it. Um, I, I don't know all the details, but yeah. Since you mentioned it last time, I'll see it, you know, in an article here or there and I'll
0: read it just because
6: Pre- you mentioned something yeah, about it. Pretty so, interesting yeah, stuff.
0: Here, a little crazy. Here's the thing. Turns out I had no idea how extensive this guy's network was. Now he's doing a lot of the same things I got started doing. I was doing this in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. I was working with the van contractors over there and the line hall contractors and doing their accounting and thought about putting together a buying you know, consortium kind of thing. And then I actually started moving away from the accounting back in 2007 with the show. So then I sold my contract there. But this mm-hmm. guy's, man, oh, man, as he built an empire over there, he it turns <laughs> out... Turns out that he has, what did I say? It was like 275 trucks and right. like 225 employees. That's the trucking part of what right. he does. Turns out the trucking mm-hmm. part of what he does is only about 10 to 15% of his revenue. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. There. Somebody wow. estimated he's probably clearing more than ten million. Not clearing, generating more than ten million of revenue with his other businesses.
2: Well, that kind of explains the question he, that you asked of, You know, how do you manage manage that mess of trucks all over the place? <sighs> and that's only a quarter of your business. That explains things exactly.
0: Yeah. It, uh, yep, uh, it yep. turns out he brokers like 2,000 routes a year. So he, he brokers these routes because wow. all the van guys, the line haul guys, everybody over there is allowed to sell their route. They own their contract mm-hmm. and you can sell your contract. I sold mine and it was pretty darn profitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he brokers about nice. 2,000 a year and takes a cut out of that. That's a lot of routes. To broker in a year, yeah, it sure is. I mean, think about that. He's he's sure brokering is. like five routes a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, <laughs> that's a full time business in and of itself. Wow.
2: Yeah, it sounds like it. I, I mean, he's generating some some pretty damn decent revenue. So, so here's um, here's the interesting especially, thing. Especially when you you don't have to have uh, assets on the road to generate that revenue.
0: That's pretty cool. Here's the interesting thing. FedEx. You know, they're they're you know, we got a pissing contest going on here. He comes out and says, if FedEx doesn't change, I'm going to cancel my contract in November right at peak, and FedEx said, oh, hell no, you're not. We're canceling your contract now. And they canceled him. But they can't get rid of this guy. They'll never be rid of him. They'll do
2: it slowly. Right. They'll have to work them out slowly, and you can bet your your ass there's gonna be all kinds of new rules about this stuff yeah how do you (laughs) he's got him over a barrel huh (laughs) yeah if he's
0: brokering 2,000 contracts a year whatever the number is he's got you know thousands and thousands of these guys oh he leases vans he's got a whole van leasing operation he he wow he sells and leases vans to these guys he's got he is so wrapped up in their network there is no way they can get rid of him yeah, yeah, it sounds like being pissed off at a family member when do you do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of a, oh, that a is crazy. I just find it kind of, <laughs> kind of a fascinating story.
2: Yeah, since you lived it, you you understand exactly what's going on there. It is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, I, I at first I was like, boy, he should have just shut his mouth. Why is he poking the bear? Well, now I understand why he's poking the bear, because he can. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's he what I'm going to say. Because yeah, he can. That's, that's exactly right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. The little guy's not the little guy in this story. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah. <laughs> that is interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to keep wow. an eye on that. This should be an interesting peak season over at uh, at FedEx. I mean, it's a big enough story. Yeah, UPS is now commenting on it. I'm sure they're laughing, <laughs> yeah, they're, you know. They're all day probably over long. Giggling, yeah, they're, yeah. they're giggling. Oh, look at that. Look at that. The, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they are. <laughs> yeah. They're they're gonna be sending the contractor oh, wow. bonus money to help him out or something.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let us help help you out with your legal fee. <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> oh man. Jesus. All right. Let's uh, let's get back to wow. some calls because they are piling up. Let's go to <laughs> Illinois. Tim, welcome to the program.
3: Uh, hello, guys. So my question is about, uh, I have a 2013 Volvo, the D13 engine, and mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago I had injectors put in. Um, mm-hmm. The injectors lasted about 10 months, and the dealer replaced mm-hmm. them free. Mm-hmm. And then about nine months after that, the injectors went bad again.
6: Mm-hmm. And they're,
3: and so they're saying, well, sorry, we only pay for one, you're going to have to pay for another. I I was having a fit about it because, you know, should these things only last nine months? So finally they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and we'll do this for free for you. And I, okay. Six months later, this was in uh, June of this year, they went bad again. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm what, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm driving the truck. That's it. That's all I'm doing. Um, and And so they had to go and do a whole thing and send it to engineering, to Volvo. And they're like, yeah, well, the injectors are bad. So what we can do is we're only going to, you know, let, uh, we'll have to charge you half of it. We'll do this this time. Okay. So they did it. And now three months later, they're already starting to go bad again. So what is causing this? What is the problem? Have you heard this before?
2: Uh, Yeah, we see it all the time. So. Typically when we see this where it's just one right after another, there's, there's two things that we look really hard at. And what we most often find is when they're when you're getting ready to install everything, you have to get that bore just absolutely spotless in there. And oftentimes when you get a, um, a warranty job, it may not be the master mechanic on it. It may be the new kid and they're not getting the Mm -hmm. bores clean enough. Um, There is a specific protocol that they use to install them, and that has to be followed exactly. And a lot of times they'll get sloppy, and that doesn't happen. So that's Mm -hmm. the number one reason we see this happening over and over. The other thing is something that we talk about all the time on here. It's the exhaust plungers not being verified, adjusted, Loctited, um, it just throws the geometry of the overhead off, and what happens is it causes that injector to, to rock on the cup, and boom, you're putting new injectors in it. So I would be interested to see if you can find out if on every one of these injector jobs that they've done, if they um, verified those exhaust plungers were correct in adjustment and that they were either lock or upgraded because there is a laser welded, um, uh, fix for that. It's not really a, I I don't want to say fix because they purposely made those exhaust plungers adjustable. So you had a more level of adjustment on, on, you know, kind of both sides of the overhead, And so, you you know, you kind of adjust the valves and they thought, let's put some adjustability in, in the exhaust plunger because the Volvo unit injectors, they developed more injection pressure. They were right on par with common rail for the longest time. And so they thought we've, we've got to have the adjustment right in order to keep these injectors, uh, in the, in the head. And, uh, the problem is everybody kind of ignored the exhaust plunger, (laughs) and it became problematic for them. Um, my experience is if you have a clean bore, if you have a verified um, exhaust plunger, it's, it's set right, it's correct, and you do the overhead uh, on an annual basis, regardless of miles, you do it once a year, and retort the injector hold-down bolt, we just don't have problems with the injectors like you're describing. Occasionally, you'll lose injectors, but all diesel engines do. Um, But when you're going through them like this, um, it's going to be either a dirty injector bore or somebody's not following the protocol on the installation or you have the uh, exhaust plungers have not been properly checked. So those three things are... are, Is that
3: that checked? Sorry, I was just wondering. Is that also checked mm -hmm. with the overhead? Because they're telling me they're doing the overhead. Sure, they, they...
2: they, ha- they have to do the overhead, um, but it just seems like for whatever reason, 99 times out of 100, when they're doing the overhead, they don't want to go through the step of pulling that plunger out and disassembling it and inspecting it and putting it back together and lock tighten it and make sure it's an adjustment. It's, you know, my guys do it in our shop. Uh, it's really not that big a deal, but I suppose if you are under warranty, maybe the warranty says you're only going to get paid to do this, this, and this. Maybe that step's not on there. I don't know that, but that's something yeah. that we really pay a lot of attention to. Of course, we're almost out of the whole unit injector thing. We're almost all common rail now, and it's not a problem on the common rail engines at all. So, Well, um, you know, I,
3: it's, I go to the same <laughs> dealer, and not only that, you know, uh, the guy there is like, well, we gotta, we're got, we going to have to get with engineer. I mean, they had my truck for 10 days to decide that it was finally injectors and they had to get you know word from engineering and what's going on and what are you doing and and you know when i it was terrible too because when i picked the vehicle up after 10 days they did they forgot to put the coolant back in
4: so i I mean (laughs)
3: that alone was telling me something's not right you know, and they're like, oh, you know, it just happens, you know, people are human. Oh, okay. But, uh, uh-huh. but, but nonetheless, I'm down all this time. I mean, oh, four, four times in like two years, you know, for all,
2: for right, a week at a time right. and paying for Where health. are you located? Where are you City, located? Oh, Oklahoma City. Uh, do I know anybody out in Oklahoma City? I know two guys. Um, one's in Madison. I think he's in Madison, Wisconsin um, in that area. Uh, and then Clint Bankston out in, um, out by Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, he does both those guys, uh, do a very, very good job. I think it's diesel brothers up in, in the Madison area. Patrick Philman is his name. If you're on Facebook, um, look up Patrick Philman or Clint Bankston, either one of those guys. Uh, they will set you straight. I would love to be able to tell you, come on down to Ploger Transportation and let those guys take care of it. But uh, um, my sister-in-law, she just ain't having any of it. She's like, we can't do outside work yet. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, I mean, I would love to tell you and put, put my guys on that and take care of it for you, but just uh, just say to happen. Um, Joel,
0: there's opportunity everywhere. The, the, there's, there's a
2: whole new business I, I, model I there. I, yes, <laughs> Yes, I I I know this. <laughs> I've been rolling that oh, around yeah. my head too. I've just I've got so much stuff going on I at home, and I can't I keep know. up. I know. Uh, uh, I forgot. So, the dealer
3: it, told me. the The dealer also told me. He said, "Well, you know, you're probably going to have to have a new head put on. That's probably what it is." Well, well, probably. wait.
2: No, wait a minute. I don't know if why. He's telling you probably he should be. Well, they should be able to look down there where the cup's it, set and see if it's all. You know, pitted or corroded up. If it is, you need a new head. Yeah, I mean, shouldn't be no prob- probably exactly. about that. It shouldn't either, be probably. You either do or you right. don't. <laughs> right. <laughs> that that would scare me. I think. Yeah. No coolant in the truck, and probably need a new head. <laughs> I would be looking for a different shop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: I you know. You're I, right. I just said I. Know, I, just, I yeah. It's just that I, I had it done and paid you know six seven thousand dollars the first time, and then you know you go back for the warranty and you go back and they're probably wrecking my truck. So um, you know, I don't know, but. Okay, so probably just go somewhere else then, I guess,
1: huh? Have somebody- yeah, and, and
2: I'll, I'll look around to see if I know anybody out in that area that may be able to help you out. Um, but okay. if you do get into Wisconsin area or into North Carolina, either one of those two guys are just outstanding. They will absolutely take care of you and get those injectors right. I, I got a lot of confidence in both those guys.
3: But now if I, if I brought it in, would they have to replace all of the injectors as well? Or are they,
2: you know what, they're going to have to look at it and yeah, they'll have to look at it and see what's going on. You know, they, they may pull them out and look down in there and go, yeah, you need a head. They may say, no, you don't. This is what we need to do. But you know, at least they understand all the steps you need to go through and and how to do it right. Both those guys are Volvo guys from from way back. I think both of them actually were at a factory or at a, at a dealership for a while and, and they know what's going on. So,
3: okay. Yeah. I'm already three months. I'm already having hard start problems already. So it's ridiculous.
2: And another, mm -hmm. another thing here that you may check, and I've seen this multiple times and I don't know, as some reason dealers don't do this. So you have what they call a, an overflow check valve on the head and this overflow valve, you know, it's just a ball of spring and the spring gets weak. And in order for a Volvo with unit injectors to run properly, you have to have X amount of uh, fuel pressure in the galley. It's not a rail, it's a galley uh, before the unit injector. And I think that number is 60 pounds. It's been a while, but I think it's 60 pounds. Um, We were having multiple hard starts on trucks um in the fleet years ago and i got talking to some of my engineering friends and they go "Well, have you have you replaced this check valve and we didn't even know about it never heard about it and of course we've never replaced it before and he said yeah you know hook up your little obd reader see what the the pressure is in the galley and all the trucks were in that 40 to 45 pound range which was too low um, and we thought all these trucks needed injectors, just like what you're going through. And then we replaced that damn check uh-huh. valve, that overflow valve in the head, boom, pressure at 60 trucks all ran fine.
3: Any so reason though ha- that, 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 mm-hmm. so if you thought it was the injectors it was low, low fuel pressure, but so if, if you did like when I replaced the injectors, the, the truck runs perfect, you know, it's fine. So what, what happens? Does the pressure go up after you replace the injectors instead of that valve? That check valve? Uh, it, you know it's hard saying? to say. What makes it
1: go
6: later?
2: Here's what they can do in order to verify that the injectors are bad. They should hook a clear line up to the, up to the fuel return. And uh, we always put like a black piece of construction paper behind it, and shine a light on it. And you look for little air bubbles flowing through that clear line that goes back to the tank. Um, some places say you can have champagne bubbles in it, but, you know, you don't want big bubbles. Uh, personally, I don't like to see any bubbles, period. Um, so th- they should be doing that. They should be able to tell you, yeah, you had air in the return. And then that's the sign that that's absolutely injectors and it's not the, it is not the, uh, the check valve on the head. This being said, if you've never had that replaced, if it's never been done, replace it, especially on that older truck, you should replace those every year. That spring gets weak. The little ball gets scarred and, uh, you never have optimal pressure in the galley. So, uh, and it's, it's cheap. It's not expensive. Replace that check valve on the head. I would go out and do that just because if you've got that older truck and if you're not sure it's been replaced and, uh, let me know what it does to your starting situation. See if that cures your hard start.
1: Okay.
3: All right. Well, hey, thank you. Oh, what was the name of the company again in Madison? You thought Diesel Is it Diesel Brothers? Is that what you said?
0: Uh-oh. Joel? Are you there?
3: Did we lose him?
0: Joel? Hey, Tim, are you still hearing me?
3: Uh-oh. I, I can hear you.
0: Okay, so yes. we we lost Joel. He's still there on the board. The call hasn't dropped yet. We're just not hearing him. Um, huh. Hmm. Uh, well, we and, used too much of his voice today. Something happened. Angie, can uh, can you check on Joel? See if he fell off a bridge or something. All right, Tim. I'm going to cut you loose. We got to. Oh, uh, we just lost Joel's call. So he. Must have been in a bad area. Um, we'll try to get him back. In the meantime, I will go talk to Jeremy in Arizona. Jeremy, welcome. Hi.
7: How you doing? Good. Uh, man, that's a deep, uh, that's deep, deep uh, maintenance. That's a lot of, to remember. I mean. I I don't mean not to talk about trucks because we get we're in a rider and we're not going to get any maintenance as far as <laughs> overhead or yeah, you're yeah. Right. you know I I could ask I guess I could ask I hear you you know you guys talk about overhead you know every hundred thousand if you own your truck or, you know of course. Now, what exactly is an overhead? What are they checking
0: for or or measuring? Yeah, for for the most part, we're adjusting the valves, intake and exhaust valves. We're adjusting them so that they're opening, closing at the right time and and everything's happening properly. So over the years, we've gone back and forth. You know, we used to just say do an overhead every year or roughly 100,000 miles or so. Then some of the engine manufacturers, on a lot of the new engines came out and said oh it's not necessary anymore they don't really get out of adjustment all that often and we started saying well maybe you don't need to do it till you see issues like maybe your fuel economy drops we're, we're back to on almost all the engines you should just be doing an overhead every year it, it does seem to still be a pretty critical part of these engines and you're just better off getting in there and getting it done Yeah. Okay. And as far as all that, what he was just talking about—that now that exhaust plunger issue—is a very specific Volvo issue on a very specific series of engines that they really don't build anymore. I see. I see. But there's a lot of
7: valve thing he's talking about. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of engines out there that were built oh, okay. that way that that is an issue so if you have one of those engines you should know about it because it's a pretty important issue but it's it's no longer an issue going forward okay just gotta find a
7: good shop that people don't That's just it right say they did something yeah okay
4: yeah. <laughs> hey i was able to get my friend
0: uh-oh Jeremy, now I'm losing you. Jeremy,
1: I'm you there?
0: You. Yes. Oh, boy. Jeremy? Jeremy? I can hear myself echoing back <laughs> off his phone, so I know he's still there. Hey, you know, hello. Oh, there you are. There Hi. There he is. And, oh, sorry. Uh, I was able to...
7: Do some body surfing Near uh, San Francisco Okay And uh, This time around And uh, Or yes The other day And uh, we Then we went Down towards Half Moon Bay You know that's where Mavericks is That You heard of that yeah. The surf place When it gets big Yep yeah, Okay Well it wasn't It, was, it wasn't was big But you know And there was There was the guy Going out or Two guys going out With their foil So I thought That was pretty cool You know without the wings So I just thought of you You know Maybe You know You could They were catching swells You know And able to Without any wind There was no wind So I guess that's why They didn't have their foil
0: But They were still able to Kind of Get a longer ride Than Yeah the The foil the foil part of this is really catching on in other water sports. So on surfboards now, the foil actually changes the way the surfboard runs in the water. And yeah, I've seen people out here on the river without a wing using a board with a foil and they actually ride in the wake of the, like the big tugs and barges and everything and the big tour boats going down the river. They actually just ride the wake. Wow, that's cool Yeah, I didn't know if you could
7: You know, you could go down to the beach uh, You know, go west, I guess
0: Well, you know, yeah. one of the things I've been thinking about is that where I live, we have awesome wind when you're, once you're experienced and you know how to do all this stuff. People love the wind here because it's erratic and it gusts and it's just more fun and exciting. But it's hard to learn in those conditions. So I thought I should just run out to the beach. The beach is easier to learn. It's a nice constant. It's easy to get in the water because it's nice gradual and sandy and but I got thinking and I don't know why this is I'm going to go look it up later today we've been out to the Oregon coast dozens and dozens of times I've never seen anybody doing any of this out on the Oregon coast but I don't know why not yeah maybe it's rocky yeah, I mean we have nice sandy Maybe hard to Yeah, we have nice sandy beaches and in, in a lot of places on the coast that we've been to. All right. But I I got thinking about this. I'm like, wait a minute. We've been out there a bunch of times. Why do I not every other picture I see of people foiling and kiteboarding, it's always at the beach. But I don't know why we must, I don't know. I'm going to look it up later because I got thinking about it. I'm like, well, All right. I, yeah, I'd like to just go to the beach and learn how to do this. It'd be easier, but uh, I'm not sure if it is here. All right.
7: If you, if you do, yeah, I'd like to see that video.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, there there will be videos here soon. <laughs> All right. That's and, awesome. Yeah, I want to get at least just a little better so on the video I don't look like a total geek which is kind of what it looks like right now. I'm getting tangled up in things and the wings smacking me in the head. And I'm, yeah, I, I I, want to get a little better before we put the videos up. So, Joel, we got you back now? Joel, we got you back now. I think so. All right. You're there. Um, since we were talking about kind of known engine issues, uh-huh. there's a... Joel, are you there? Oh, did we lose him again? What's... Going on. I'm here. There you are. All righty. God, I don't know what's going on. Um, since we're talking about known issues with engines, um, Cummins has another one. Speaking of that, I, 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 Uh you know, we were talking about this earlier. I'm pretty confident that Cummins is never going to call me up to talk about, you know, working with them and promoting their engines because I haven't been much of a fan over the Uh years. Um, So they've got an issue now with um, the ECM leading to stalling and increasing the risk of a crash, They, I guess, in a certain run of trucks that were built between May and June in 2022 this year, there's a screw in the ECM that backs out, presses into the circuit board, and wipes out the whole ECM. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. And you're not getting the the, fuel
2: pump don't get you the ECM well.
0: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And when it happens, the engine goes dead. You're that said you will not get this engine restarted until you replace the ECM and the fuse, because I guess it takes out that inline fuse at the same time. But, you know, I wonder how many shops are going to struggle if they don't know this. Right.
2: Right. Yeah, exactly. So
5: exactly. if you
0: have a uh, a 2022 X15 X12 L9 or B6.7, you might want to check on that and see if uh, see if you're in that recall. That's something you'd want to get taken care of pretty quick. It sounds like it. All right, let's uh, let's grab some more calls. Let's go to Wisconsin. Jeff, welcome to the program. Welcome to Jeff.
1: Welcome to the program.
0: Jeff, are you there? Yeah, there? What is going on with the phone? I'm gonna put that call back in the queue we'll and we'll try Florida. Florida. Tony. We're are you there? there? Tony. Tony? Hey, Joel, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, because I'm wondering if the callers just aren't hearing me. I'm hearing there. There's somebody on this line. Tony?
1: Yeah, 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 I'm here.
0: Okay, come on back to your phone. You sound like you're a mile away.
4: Oh, what
5: if that's not Oh, well.
0: If I hear Yeah, I can hear you, but barely. Sounds like you're a long way away from your phone.
4: All right, what if I use the smart nav? Is this
2: that, any better?
0: That's better, yeah. Now we can hear
4: that's
0: you. Not really. I'll just pick up a I'll, I'll damn phone. This is probably good. Sony
8: that- from I Hate Brokers Trucking. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding <laughs> i made it over i'm i'm just kidding i, I left i left my nut my address so you could come kick my ass it, there um, you go yes made it over from from the other glad to talk to you on this new system yes i made it over got a profit question just for my fellow mathematicians out there that here you can make more money by going slower okay uh Tell me that that we are saying that on the same load, this this is the same load, we are going to make more if we go slower because we save fuel. We're not talking about the extra miles I can go by going faster because
0: I'm going to win on that one, correct? If you try to use a pure math calculation around speed, you will get skewed results. And it looks better than it really is. If you try to use that, well, if I drive 75 miles an hour for 10 hours, I get 750 miles. And if you drive 60, you only get 600 miles. The math works. I mean, that math is correct, except the math doesn't translate to the real world. It never works out that it doesn't way. It not account In, for traffic. It, it, and delays and okay, you got to your shipper, but nobody's going to unload you for three hours anyway. The the real world tears those numbers apart. What Here's the other thing that happens, and people have a hard time understanding it. If my top speed is 60, My average speed, I'm not I'm just gonna use numbers that might not be totally accurate, but you'll get the idea. If my top speed is 60, my average speed might be 50. There's only a 10 mile per hour differential. If my top speed is 75, my average speed might be 60 there's a 15 mile an hour differential and that matters and people don't ever take that into account and they don't understand the math but i can promise you this every time we've had somebody do a long-term test on this so they ran at least three months and we really like to do this for six at a certain speed you know, their max was seventy five for the first six months we did this. Then the next six months their max is sixty. The amount of miles they get almost doesn't change.
5: Almost
0: doesn't change. That's that's okay. right too. I'm just
8: making sure that these guys that are listening that are saying, Oh, this guy's an idiot. I'm <laughs> well, going to get another load by the time you get empty. Hey, hey you know, Tony, you're let me. you lose money because I can go 200 miles extra. I, right. So,
0: hey, yeah, we're they, good on that. They say it all the time. It can be disproven easily. We've been disproving it for decades. Now, you mentioned something that I do want to address. A purely local operation. You start in the morning, you end at a certain time that day. Um, Sand and gravel aggregate, that kind of stuff's a great example of this. If I'm running sand and gravel, and it's a, I don't know, let's call it a 60-mile round trip. And if I slow down to get better fuel economy, I get four trips in a day. But if I really push it, if I just drive like a maniac, like most of those guys do, I can get five loads that day. All bets are off. You should probably drive like a maniac and get that fifth load. But in an over the road operation, it doesn't work that way.
8: Okay, good, because my age-old question always has been, okay, you'll see a load out there, 3,000 miles. You don't get as much per mile, but it's more miles. Okay, <laughs> is that one better <laughs> not than staying in, in Florida and, and, but, and, and not using all your hours, but getting one that's, that's more per mile, but less miles? Okay, so, so you, you take the one that's more profit per mile, and you won't come out with more just
0: because you'll gross more? Correct. So let's let's just take the big picture about business. If I'm in business, any business, would I rather do a bunch of high-volume, low-profit work or would I much rather do a bunch of high-profit, low-volume work? I know which one I'd rather do. Give me the high-profit margin every time, even if there's less work.
8: I think it may work out better uh, the other way for some reason that I'm missing
0: uh, due to well,
8: downtime or, or
0: something. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to be the Walmart of trucking. I want to be the Apple of trucking. you see the difference? Okay. Walmart works on volume, um, pure volume, tiny, tiny little margins, and we have got a crank out product. Day after day after day. Apple, on the other hand, doesn't sell nearly as many items as Walmart does, but boy, do they have a nice profit margin on everything they sell. Yeah, yeah, you're right.
1: right.
0: It makes sense, but somehow it just
8: isn't seeming to work out. (laughs) (laughs) I got to look at it further. Well,
0: and and you're right there. We're we're talking in generalities and big picture here. And there are other variables that can confuse this. And there are some operations where this won't hold true. We're making kind of generalized blanket statements because this would hold true most of the time. And this is why we, we push knowing your numbers so much. If somebody ever called me and challenged me and said, you're just wrong about that speed thing and I can prove it. And they actually showed me their numbers, but nobody ever does. Everybody who thinks that they're doing better by going faster, they can't prove it because they don't have their numbers.
8: Right. And, uh, I'm so glad we have Joel back or, I. um, you can cut me loose if you want to, but I gotta ask him to spec me out that truck because uh, I would sell this five seventy nine Pete right now if I could get my hands on one of these Ploeger Transportation specs. <laughs> I've still got it though, so that's right. Uh, yeah, I might even take one before my Tesla. I really would.
2: <laughs> there you, <laughs> there go. you go. That's right. <laughs> you know, I I had thought about this. I would love to run an I Torque truck and a Tesla side-by-side side and do be a awesome? real-world comparison. I, know. I would I know. absolutely love to do that. I know.
8: I, I, I saw I, I, one getting I, transported in Iowa the other day. We'll do it. I don't know if it was a Tesla or a Nikola. Um, I, we'll do it. I'd be down. Yeah, I, 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 yeah I've thought yeah, the I same thing. That,
0: that, game I, for that. I mean, I've sat around considering buying trucks again so I can do that comparison myself. yeah i uh, I
8: might need a few bucks to 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 uh, go through with it though i might need some help on that purchase
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. especially on the tesla side those things aren't cheap
0: (laughs) well i wonder what's happened to the price on those because originally when they first announced it wasn't that bad the i i think they're Lower range model originally was like 150, and their high range model was 180.
1: What, what, I'm was seeing in the mar-
0: what I'm seeing in the marketplace
2: right now, and this isn't Tesla specifically because I haven't been able to find out anything on them, but just in general with all the legitimate people that are out there making them, it looks to me – that an electric truck is seventy five to a hundred thousand dollars more than what a diesel truck is.
0: See, I, those I'm numbers happy. are never going to work. Then they're just not. No, no. A- and no. here's I the mean, other thing. You got For some reason, everybody, and I think everybody knows, I love this electric stuff. I'm excited about it, but for all different reasons than everybody else, everybody else that's pushing this, especially the government, when you listen to them talk, Mm -hmm. they talk as though electricity is Mm -hmm. free.
2: Right. Nobody's ever
0: comparing (laughs) the cost of electricity to the cost of the diesel fuel. And there's a very, very good chance that the cost of electricity is going to go through the roof because of all of these electric vehicles.
2: Well, a prime example of this is over in the UK, there is a rail line operator over there and, you know, they've had electric trains running over there for, for quite a while now. And because of the influx of all this, you know, green technology and electric cars, um, electric prices, and of course with the the natural gas being limited from Russia, um, electric prices have gone through the roof, and they actually got uh, special permission to break out the diesel locomotives because they run cheaper. Well, and
0: so... And it was going to put them out of business to the, continue to run the electric. The cost of electricity is going to hey, go Kevin, up every time they put another electric vehicle you, on the road. That's more demand, so the price yep. will go up. But the other big factor... Don't we have some, what is the federal fuel tax rate? Is it 30 some cents? I never remember the federal because we hardly ever talk about it.
2: Uh, yeah, it may be even more than that. Now so I let's, mean, I don't exactly let's just say it is is 30 is. it's 30 some.
0: Yeah, you've got states, California, Pennsylvania that are in the 70 cent a gallon. You're talking about a buck a gallon in taxes that pretty soon they're going to start levying that on electricity to charge vehicles. Right. They have to. They have to. Right. So yeah. you start looking at that and you're like, holy shit. No, the cost of electricity on for a vehicle on the road is about to get really expensive. Right. Right. There's no doubt.
8: Yeah. Kevin, do you talk about that company, Nicola, at all? Because from what I hear, <laughs> I don't know if I'm still on, but yeah, I hear on. that they already have uh, electric trucks out like um, I think they are passing
0: Tesla as far. As trucks. They they might be I've talked about it's interesting that you brought up Nikola there was an article this morning and I was going to talk about it and I set it aside and decided not to um, when Nikola first came out I still have the blog post I wrote when they first came out and I saw their website I ripped it apart I said, this is the most ridiculous set of claims about trucks I have ever seen in my life. Here was their claim. Their claim, and I, I may get my numbers off a little bit because it's been a couple of years since I wrote this, but you'll get the idea. Their claim was that their truck was so light that all the additional payloads you were going to be able to carry was going to generate $5,000 a month. Extra revenue, extra Because their truck was so light and you'd be able to put on more payload. Well, first off, I didn't even go look at the weight of their truck. My thought was, where are they getting their freight? Because I don't know a freight anywhere that pays that much extra that I'm going to be able to make so much more money because their truck is so light. That it was just a ridiculous claim. But then I went and looked. Their truck weighs 21,000 pounds. (laughs) <laughs> they were trying that's to claim. Heavy. I mean, uh, that's, not really I thought, that's, that's really heavy. That's really heavy. They were trying to claim that the average Class A truck on the road was like twenty-four thousand pounds. That's bullshit. That's not even close. I could
8: make a joke about how Joel's truck is 24,000 pounds, but I know Joel, it's
0: not. <laughs> Joel, don't you think that we, we could probably build a tractor today in the sixteen or 17,000-pound range if we tried?
2: Uh, yeah, Jamie Hagan's oh, yeah. getting right down that that low on some of his stuff with sleepers on it. He's getting... Getting fairly low. My truck out of the factory with a quarter tank of fuel was at eighteen
0: nine. Yeah. So their twenty one thousand was such a ridiculous claim. And back then that truck was like four hundred thousand dollars. And they had this yeah, crazy think, uh, lease I, deal where you didn't even pay for the truck or maintenance or electricity or anything. You just paid this flat monthly fee. And hey, Kevin, uh, yeah,
8: does it have a sleeper? Yes. It, does it have a sleeper? Well, That's they have.
0: They, they actually have multiple models. I believe they've got a day cab that might even be out on the road now. But they they're, they're the the original truck they were talking about was a sleeper, and so when I started talking about it, we were calling it vaporware. I was saying this truck isn't even real. I I don't know if this thing's ever going to see the road, but something is really wrong with this deal. Well. The the CEO is in court. He's being sued. The original CEO, Trevor Milton, they had massive lawsuits against him for fraud. Most of the promotional pictures you saw of the truck going down the highway, they weren't real. The truck didn't run.
8: I figured that.
0: Yeah, right. so I was
8: gonna say I would I would get one, but I guess not.
0: Yeah, we called it vaporware, and then a bunch of big trucking companies came out, and they were backing it, saying, oh, no, we ordered 500 of them. U.S. Express was all over it. And I'm like, I, I don't even think this thing's real. Turns out, I guess it is real, but, boy, they were <laughs> lying about a lot of stuff back then. Yeah, and the, the trucks changed considerably
2: from yeah. from what they originally yeah. rolled out. Now it's full electric, and before it was hydrogen electric and they were going to do all this great stuff with, <laughs> with hydrogen and now it's right. just it's just straight electric and and you know a fairly fairly you know boiler plate technology exactly. to what the OEMs doing right. um, and the truck is, is still i've seen it at dealers they've got a bunch of them out at dealerships now they're like three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. I mean, it's just nuts for for what you get. Yep. And uh, without you know the the government tax credits and stuff, I, how how do you even begin to make any of this stuff work?
0: And I'm not sure the you government know, tax credit's going to. He, your here's, here's the way I see it: the government's giving forty thousand dollars if you buy an electric truck. Then the electric truck's going to fail, right. and they wasted our money Uh, (laughs) there's a good
2: chance of that happening. Yeah. That's for sure. That is for sure. Because the more efficient diesel gets, the harder and harder it is for them. They're still based in their their competitive analysis based on six and a half miles a gallon. I
0: know. And
2: (laughs) you know, you know, Kevin, (laughs) what's the one thing that you've always bitched about? You've always said I'd never have a truck with with single tanks because I want all this range. I hate to stop for fuel.
0: Right. The ranges
2: they're talking about on these trucks are not
0: impressive at all. And even
2: my truck with a single one fifty, like. You know, just on, based off what I ran the other day, I'm at half a tank and still have 950 <laughs> miles left right. in the truck. Yeah. You know, and, and that they would have to recharge like four times in that time frame. And the Packard Electric takes eight hours to charge to go 150 miles.
0: Yeah. It, you it know, I... I have said forever that, and I don't know, other industries are probably just like this. I don't know. But I have said forever, the trucking industry has a horrible track record of trying to push technology before it's ready. And then we get turned off on it and it takes decades to get people excited about it again. We have done, we have so many examples of screwing this up and this is going to be the worst one ever. Here's the other thing to think about. As they California pushes, 35 percent of the cars in California being sold in just in in four years are going to have to be electric. That's insane. But as they push this and electricity gets more expensive because of demand, guess what other fuel gets cheaper? Right. Gas and diesel. Diesel, fuel and gasoline get cheaper. Cheaper because less people are using them.
2: Yeah. Yep. I I agree. It, they have got themselves a problem here. They're going to put themselves in a box with all this electric stuff all by themselves. You know, we're not even gonna have to do anything. They're going to do it all yeah. by themselves by by yep. pushing these mandates and then they're going to go, "Oh, what the hell just happened?" But, <laughs> yeah, they're going to they're going to hang themselves here. Just I, yep. let them let them go. Yep. Let them hang themselves. Absolutely.
8: Well, since I can't do that, you guys want to fix the truck problem. I done. Oh, you broke up a little bit there. What'd I'm you say? Oh, well, since I can't get that either, you want to fix a truck problem?
0: We can try. We can try.
8: My truck gasps like uh, it's a 15 pack car, um, a 2015 pack car 13. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm
0: sorry. I, I, really yeah, I, truck... I changed my mind. We don't answer questions about pack cars here. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's fair <laughs> just just kidding go ahead we'll try
8: you know you know what no that's fine because i'll say it did go away on uh, three months on the catalyst it went away a little bit it did but it gasped if you're pulling a hill or something and you let off the gas it it gasps like it's choking so you would think it's an air filter but it's not that
0: uh, well, it doesn't the, do it on
8: cruise control.
1: You know, is, the, know. is the
0: is the pecker still a um, variable geometry? Yeah. Yep. It you, sure is. You know, all variable geometry turbos uh, seem to have this tendency to do that coughing, gasping, you know, hesitating kind of well, thing.
1: Well, sure.
2: Th- think about what's going on there. You have right. precision parts. Hanging in the exhaust stream, and so that sweep sounds like on the variable geometry, the sweep's being interrupted, and it's 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 uh, yeah, it's giving you a hiccup. It sounds like, so that, that kind of makes sense when you say the catalyst kind of helped that if it's removing some of the carbon buildup on the uh, the mechanism on your variable geometry where where it sweeps the vanes, that that makes some sense.
0: See,
8: we did help you. No problems on that. I torque. That I'm still waiting for my build date on. <laughs> Is she ever gonna call me? <laughs> Hopefully.
2: We don't have a variable of geometry on that, That's so we don't right. have to worry about a coughing and hiccup. That's and right. Yep. Just the simple simple fixed geometry turbo on that bad boy. Back to
0: the basics. I can't wait. I'll take it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, Tony. Gotta cut you loose. The calls are piling up on us. We're gonna head off to New York. Kevin, welcome to the program.
5: Hey, how are we doing? Uh, just before we get started Kevin, you were on about how it was uh, ragging on the poor
9: Italians.
1: Yes. About that uh, jerky yeah. that you were interested in, but uh, that goes back to World Cup 90 because uh, they scored a goal against us in the World Cup and knocked us out of the World Cup. So, you've held that ever
0: since. Well, well, now I know who that I'm talking to, but Kevin, you've got a horrible line right now. I can barely hear you, there's all kinds of weird background noise.
4: Oh, I've to cook
1: I
0: just could loose. So, that's case, because I'm in a bad area, There's no panic. All right. we'll uh, Put else on. Yeah, c- call back. I want to talk to you, um, Joel. What he was talking about there was uh, we'll we'll take a little side trip into food here. So, one of the places I order meat from. Um, Heritage Foods. They have the most incredible pork I have ever tasted in my life. And they have Wagyu beef that is just incredible. In fact, I think I'm going to do a Wagyu corned beef this weekend. Um, but then they every now and then they throw in free stuff. You know, you order four times and you get a free package of this or whatever, one of those programs. So one day I open up the package and it's got this stuff in there and it it looks like jerky. But I'm reading it and the first thing that catches my eye. So this is just a food company. They have nothing whatsoever to do with trucking. I don't have any kind of partnership with them. It's just a company I buy pork and beef from. But I look on the package Mm of this. Jerky that I've never heard before. It's called Colette or Colette or something like that. But right on it, it says, um, oh, shoot. What's the exact term? I want to get this right. Hold on. I posted this. Um, where did it go? You never find things when I need them. And I didn't think our website was that active that it'd be this far down already. Where did it go? Come on. Don't you hate that? I know. It's like when you're trying to find a picture to show somebody. You can never find the right picture. And and I I can't find this. I don't know where it went. Um, Anyway, it says right on it something about like top shelf trucking snacks. I'm like, what? What's that all about? So, yeah. So I thought that's weird. Well, then I, I open it up and I taste it. I am hooked. This is Uh the best jerky I've ever had in my life. It's pork, not beef. Really? Yeah, it's pork, not beef. Uh And I guess it is like a legend for Italian truck drivers. Like, this is the official truck driving snack in Italy. I guess it's just a big thing. You find it at truck stop. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is bizarre. How did I never know about this? The thing about it It is the hardest, toughest meat I have ever tried to chew in my life. At first, you try to take a bite of this stuff, and I'm like, well, this is stupid. I can't even bite it. Who would eat this stuff? This is ridiculous. But then... As I'm trying Uh to chew it, the taste hits my mouth, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That's kind of interesting. (laughs) I like this. So instead of, like, taking a bite of jerky, you actually have to put the stick in Uh your mouth and gnaw on it to get a piece off. Wow. That's interesting. Ah! It's, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I posted it on Healthy Tribe. I'll try to put it back up to the top. So um, Kevin, the guy who called, is I think he's from Ireland, um, and he, he's driven mm-hmm. in Europe. So I asked him, I said, hey, is this stuff for real? I mean, is this really a thing over there? And he said he has mm-hmm. had something like it. And the idea, and I guess why truck drivers like it, is because it lasts so long. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It would last all day, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And the flavor is incredible. Now, the funny thing is, and I'm not sure why, the company we order it from, they send it cold, but it's with other food that has to be cold. But even on the package, it says, must be refrigerated. I'm going to call them and ask them why. I don't understand why. This is some of the driest jerky I've ever seen. I can't imagine that it would spoil.
2: So... Being pork is it like a prosciutto taste when um, you get it in your mouth or
0: So here's the thing it is so heavily seasoned that you wouldn't know whether it was pork uh-huh. or beef or chicken the the seasoning is oh, so gotcha. unique okay. though it is um it's fennel seed crushed red pepper I love and coriander. I, love fennel on pork. I know, so yep. it's fennel. Yep. Both of those crushed red and pepper. You got to try this pork. stuff. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So go to go to Heritage Foods is, is where you'll find it, and it's called okay. Colette or Colette or it's C O L L E T T E, I think. Um, I, I'm going to reach out to them because right. if if it doesn't absolutely have to be refrigerated, I, I'm going to get it in our store. Yeah,
2: yeah, it sounds that that's interesting. I I like that combination of spices. That sounds like it would be really good on pork. Oh, Jack,
0: awesome. Jack just uh, pointed out why I wasn't finding it. I I forgot I never put this up on Healthy Tribe yet. I put it up on Trucking Tribe because I wanted to tag Kevin to see if he had an answer. It says uh, oh right on the bag. It says top shelf truck stop snacks. cool i know i thought that yeah, was so unique yeah try it um let's get back to some phone calls got off on a uh little rabbit trail there let's go to ohio herschel welcome to the program
7: kevin i think you're going down a rabbit hole
0: actually <laughs> yeah, i know Because so now you're ta- you're talking
4: about beef jerky that
7: sounds like a dog treat and the other day, a guy put sour cream and onion fishing bait on truck and drive.
0: There was somebody that had a bag. <laughs>
7: some kind of some kind of
0: bug. <laughs> that there was somebody on on there that posted sour cream and onion flavored crickets. Yeah, it looked like fishing bait. Yeah, actually, I I I, I have to admit, I've eaten crickets. They're pretty damn good. Uh, I've heard that um, they're they're not too bad. They taste like nothing, and they have a really cool crunch to them, so it's kind of like potato chips. They put any flavor, like this one was sour cream and onion, uh, and and they're actually kind of tasty. But, Kevin, if
7: I bite into one of them and that thing
0: squirts... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, they're 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 pretty dry. They really are. They're very very dry and crunchy. So there's nothing weird about them. They don't have any weird taste. So they're 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 kind of interesting, um, but yeah, I, I I don't know.
7: Okay, so to Joel,
1: mm-hmm.
7: I have a follow up <laughs> follow up with this, but my truck three sets of injectors in 13 months on a series 60, 14 liter. And I'm about mm-hmm. to do another oil sample here in a few days to see if it's doing it again. If it fails again, I'm really thinking it might be time for Christine to go bye-bye.
1: <laughs> so
7: <laughs> I, found, I found a Volvo. I found, found a Volvo. I'm mildly interested. It's a 19, or 19, yeah, Now I'm back in time. A 2017 Mm -hmm. D13, it has what has to be a direct drive because it's a 10-speed manual, but it's a 247 rear end. I do railroad container intermodal work. I go to Mm -hmm. West Virginia from Columbus. I'm empty Mm -hmm. half the time, and I'm 38 to 42,000 the other half. Is that Mm -hmm. something that spec-wise – would be a good fit. Is that worth 10 cents? I don't know.
2: Um, yeah, we need to know the rear axle. The ratio is 247. We're saying it's direct drive. D13. Do you Not got to be with the 240s. Okay. Well, it doesn't or, have to be. They could, they could go overdrive if it's like a 0.86 overdrive.
7: Okay. Okay. I haven't delved into it quite that far yet. Is that one that has these exhaust plungers? And yes. what the hell is an exhaust plunger? I know what uh, a rocker arm, a valve spring, valves, I know a, all that. But what is an exhaust plunger?
2: I posted a detailed explanation of exactly what that is. Um, and I'll try okay. and put it up again. But um, it, it's essentially on the back side of things when you run the overhead. Um, it, it it allows you to adjust both sides of the the rocker essentially, and it hmm. that's important because of all the pressure that they have in their unit injectors, and so this is you know it's a step that most of us don't take because most engines you don't have to do that, and so nobody adjusts right. adjusts adjust the back side of the the rocker essentially, and and so, so you, you can run it overhead and get. Hmm. You said there was a year where you get
7: away from that. What is that year?
2: 2018 is when they start to go to Commonwealth <laughs> about midway. Midway <laughs> through the year, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly.
7: Huh. So, Kevin, what do you so, think? Three sets of injectors in 13 months on a Detroit Series 60 14 liter. You know, everything else the truck runs great. I can't keep injectors in it. Is it time for it to go bye bye? You know, I I, I don't know what to do. I'm scared to death to take the sample.
0: I kind of have a rule (laughs) of thumb about this, and the rule is when I have to fix a problem the third time and nobody can tell me why, I may be getting rid of that truck. I'll, I'll do it. You know, something can go wrong the first time. Maybe I just got really unlucky the second time. But when we get to a third, the same thing has to be fixed. And if I can find out why and I could fix the root problem, but if I can't, I, I think I'd be getting rid of it.
4: Okay, so
7: then tell me this. I have listened to you guys. Kevin, I've been listening to you since you was on the Nemo show. What yeah, that's about a long four, time I guess oh, okay. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Um, so, well, uh, quick laundry list. Cummins can't keep a camshaft, evidently now an ECM, I, or I'm, an air compressor together. I'm so sorry, you, me. you, you okay. mentioned Cummins. So now, I'm
0: going to have to hang up on you now.
7: Yeah, Yeah. okay, okay. So, quick laundry list. So, there's those. Um, nobody knows how to fix a Packard when they do have a problem. Uh, Detroit, now they have the DD-15. You can't keep the oil suction tube in it because it's plastic and it's got an O ring and it breaks off, stars the engine for oil, and you blow it up. <laughs> it's got a plastic piece on its cartridge filter in the center that now is breaking, stars the engine for fuel, it or for oil, it blows up. The one box it just plugs up and evidently bons eyes off the side of the truck. You can't get another one. It does it.
4: Uh, what the hell do you buy? I, I guess Volvo. I, I don't know. It's
0: you know I I leaving
4: price out of the equation. What do
0: you buy? Once we understand that every. Thing has an issue, and if we understand the issues and we can avoid them, that's a good thing. I am completely confident that I could be very, very happy with a. Now, I would probably go with Western Star just for the better cab quality and that kind of stuff, but I could be happy with a Western Star and a DD 15 or a DD 13. I could make money, wouldn't be a problem. You avoid the issues that you know of absolutely could do it with a volvo and even if you don't get away from the years that have the plunger issues joel's told you how to fix it so you get one of those and you fix that or get a newer one and we don't even have that problem i'm completely confident of those two platforms and i would buy one of those two i i i think the the PECAR has some potential. We just need to learn more about it and figure out how to spec it better. The International is really exciting, their new engine and platform. So I, it'd be nice if we had three options. But it, it's, you know, we could look at it as doom and gloom. Everything has a problem. But, you know, we've got people out there killing it with those two platforms. Hmm. Okay. Now, here, you right. know, well, since since we're talking about this, um, I'm going to bring in a, a discussion that is on Trucking Tribe right now. And, Joel, you should probably go over and address this in Trucking Tribe because they actually okay. they didn't tag you, but it, it starts with your name. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they knew how to tag you, okay. so you may miss this. Um, okay. And I want to say mm-hmm. up front – that I completely understand where this guy is coming from. And I really can't argue his points, but you'll, you'll understand Mm -hmm. what I mean when I get to the end of this. And and again, I I think he's right in his situation. Um, So it says, Joel Morrow is obviously very knowledgeable with Volvo, most likely paid and sponsored. Yeah, so what? I mean, I, I've heard that for years. I, I, there are people who I absolutely trust that even though they're being paid for something, I can still trust them. Just because you're paid by Volvo doesn't mean I can't trust you. No different than when I told, you know, Michelin, if you hear me promoting a Continental tire, just be quiet. Cause it's going to happen once in a while. And they were fine with that. And that's always been my point. Mm-hmm. I don't care who pays me. I'm going to tell you the truth. And, and the reason mm-hmm. I work with these companies is not because they pay me. They pay me because I work with them. And there's a big difference there. I went out and said, exactly. I love this product and I want to work with them. That's how it, when most companies, when they approach me and want to pay, I turn almost everybody down. That's not how it works for me. I go out and find the things I want to promote. So, but anyway, we can get past that. His only go-to with older D13s is, have your exhaust plungers been verified? Now, then he goes on, this is a quote from him, sell your Volvo. I own one, and it has been a money pit, really, a major money pit. All parts are extremely expensive. So far, parts have been available, in my experience, other than a steering axle hub and bearing two years ago. Ridiculous cost, though, for almost every part I've needed to replace. Um, A while ago, we had a crankcase vent. Today, Volvo has an oil spinner on the crankcase vent. It gets clogged. Um, 2400 later and Volvo just sold you another $2,000 profit. No core ask for your old one and clean it overpriced value in my honest opinion. Again, I'm not going to argue any of his points. I think he had those experiences. Then later on, somebody in the post, somebody questions him. Um, oh no, he just posted again and he said this, um, 30 grand plus for the wonderful transmissions, labor is over and above. Then he says, 30 years running 18 speed manual, hauling heavy and never even lost a clutch. Not really sure what that point is. I've had dozens and dozens of trucks and hardly ever replaced clutches. That's Mm -hmm. not a big deal. Then he says this, Mm -hmm. I enjoy his knowledge, but understand that he runs 80,000 and less every day. It, most of us do. Mm-hmm. That's the majority of right, the market. Of course, that's, that's where we're spending most of our time is helping people in the majority of the
2: market. Right. And so here's here's what happens when you get folks that are running specialty stuff like this and they're trying to apply specs right. for a truck. Maybe they bought a used truck that was designed maybe to run in- the majority, where everybody else is at, and then you're going to push it into service, and you know things start to go to hell. Um, that is problematic. Uh, another thing, and I've always said this since day one: if I were in a location and the world's greatest Cummins mechanic lived next door to me, as much as I like Volvo, I would have a Cummins. I, I might even. I, I just you're right. Would. I mean, you're right. Yes, right, yeah. right. I, I mean, that's just the way that that goes, especially for an owner operator that you know they they don't have access to you know a shop to do their own work and stuff in um so that's very important sounds to me like maybe this guy's got a dealer that's so so possibly um there's a there's a lot of things at at work here um but to say sell your volvo because they're having a bad experience look i had a bad experience with an n14 it, Most people will tell you N14s are bulletproof, right? And I had right. an awful experience with one. Would I ever tell everybody to go sell their <laughs> N14 because I had a shitty experience? No, right. I wouldn't do that. I, I feel the guy's pain. I really exactly. do. Exactly. Right. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of other things at work here. Um, you know, maybe he's just in a duty cycle that. Uh, it, 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 and since he's bringing up 80,000 pounds, I'm assuming he's a heavy haul guy, right?
0: Yeah, and it did say so thir- 30 years running 18 speed manual hauling heavy. Right. Yeah.
2: So if you're in a very heavy duty cycle and you bought a truck with the standard 12 speed I shift, you know, that tops out at 500 horsepower, it's probably not a good fit. You're probably going to continuously struggle. And then if you got a dealer, so- that maybe not quite up-to-date on everything, that just compounds the problem. So, I get it, um, the one way to look at this though and how I always look at it, the D13 is the most produced 13 liter engine in the world by far. Um, so, <laughs> and there's a reason somebody's buying it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right, and there's a reason. Right, right. And they continue a- to absolutely. buy
1: them.
2: Correct, correct. Um, So, you know, I get it. There are applications where a 13-liter just does not make sense. There are absolutely applications where a 12-speed I-shift doesn't make sense. Um, You know, maybe if he had a 13-liter with a 14-speed I-shift, then... Had heavy haul ship logic in the truck. Maybe things would be a little different. Well, I don't and, know the details as to what's going on.
0: And there are other, there are applications mm-hmm. where all the aerodynamics don't make sense.
2: Sure, absolutely. My brother struggles with that. Yeah, stuff, you, you just know what tear I mean? them all out, um, right? He, he, yeah, right. He runs an over the road. Uh, uh, duty cycle, and you would think, man, hang every aerodynamic device mill-to-man on those trucks, but in no. his application, they tear them off, and, and it doesn't make sense for them. They, they tear them um, off before be exactly you before you saved right.
0: enough money to pay yeah. for them.
2: Hell, before they get out of the driveway, <laughs> a lot of times. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just the way it yeah. happens. In a, in a yeah. fleet situation, things change, so there are a lot of variables here. Um, yeah. No matter what brand of engine, uh, you are going to find people that are struggling with it, whether it's a Detroit, a Cat, a Commons, uh, you name it. You are going to find people that are struggling with them. And then you'll um, find people that are killing person, it. Uh, right. With all of those engines. with killing it. Right. And, uh, yes, yes, yes. So, um, you know, I, I feel bad when people have these types of problems, but, uh, so uh, generally they can't be resolved if you get to the right people. It's just a matter of getting to the right people. And sometimes it, you're just in an area where that's
0: not going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, I'll even go back. I was a huge Volvo fan all through the nineties and early two thousands. It's all I bought. It's all I wanted to buy. I was very happy with them. And then, They stopped putting Detroit engines in them. That was problem number one for me. Problem number two was in Florida, I tried. There were no good Volvo dealers anywhere. They all sucked. And and I said, as much as I like this truck, it just doesn't make sense for me to own this anymore. Right. You know, here's, here's what I've had to deal with over the years. And this is kind of sort of the same situation people. I've had people call me or send me emails. I took your advice. You are such an idiot. I you, I got screwed up so bad. That cost me so much money, on and on and on. And I'm like, hey, you know, I don't remember this story. I don't remember this. So I'll, I'll send an email back and go, you know, I, I'm sorry you had such a bad experience. I don't remember talking to you about this. Oh, I didn't talk to you. I heard you talking to somebody else. <laughs> oh, well, then you didn't take my advice because I wasn't talking to you. I get that one all the time. You can't listen to me talk to somebody else and take that advice and then blame me that it didn't work right. I wasn't talking to you. Right.
2: Right. Right. And, you know, I I kind of bump up against that. Again, like, like this gentleman with his truck, you know, with some of the older specs that, you know, I was never a fan of a five hundred three hundred eight with an iShift Volvo. I was never right. ever a fan of that spec. I've never liked it. I've been very vocal about that. And there are all kinds of them out there. And I get guys, you know, that send me messages. Oh, I got a Volvo.
1: It sucks. Okay. <laughs> You're right. It
2: does. What, what's going on? It's a 500 <laughs> It's a 500. You're exactly right. There is an issue. There. Well, if, if, you know, if this was so bad, why did they build it? <laughs> because you asked them to. Well, uh, you know, it's it's just the uh, it's crazy. Honestly,
0: yeah. if that's your logic, if this isn't right, why did they build it? 99% of the trucks on the road aren't spec right.
2: No, that's that's true, and and you could turn that around and say, well, then why'd you buy it? You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: just, yeah, that's what but, we're trying you know, to. A, that's a, what we're a, trying to improve. We're trying to help people spec exactly. each platform correctly. <laughs>
2: Right. And and not just the customer, but I'm actually working with the OEM to right. to help bring everybody together on this. So it, it works a lot better. So are there problems with legacy specs in the past with all brands? Absolutely. 100 percent. When we first came out with emission engines, we didn't understand the relationships between no emissions and piston speed and all the things that we talk about. We just didn't know at the time. And so we were specking them just like we did a so, traditionally geared truck, and, and so we had know, there's, issues. There's, there's no a,
0: doubt. There's a really easy explanation for how we got here as an industry. We've talked about the fact that up mm-hmm. until just recently, the last several years or mm-hmm. so, when we specked a truck for maximum fuel economy, it was not fleet and driver friendly. It just wasn't. They were complicated, you had to know how to drive them, you had to know how to maintain them. We put things on trucks that fleets would never go near and they shouldn't. It would be a bad idea for them. And if you think about that, where do the OEMs probably get most of their feedback from about their products? From fleets. That's who they're trying to please. And they should be. That's their big market. So that's the feedback they're getting. What works? Well, they're getting what works at a fleet level. We're out there pushing the envelope on everything. And the good news is now we have people like you working with. So now they're getting feedback from the owner operator world. And the other difference is now we're getting to the point where you're starting to build trucks that would work for fleets.
2: Right, that's exactly right. And, and here's you know, everybody thinks that, well, wow, it, it's a fleet, everything is just so well managed and that oh. I have seen <laughs> test trucks go into fleets where they lose the damn that, test exactly. truck. They don't know where it's at, right. they got no idea right. on the data. You know, it just it just I mean, it is so nuts. And then you get to talk to a fleet manager that just graduated from college and never (laughs) drove a truck. And he's just looking at a set of numbers going, this is the greatest and this sucks. And they're giving that feedback to the engineers that are sitting in their cubicle going, well, based on this, we need to do this. Now I've got a direct pipeline into these guys. I'm like, bring your ass out here. Let's go for a ride. And their eyes just got huge. Like, oh my God, we had no idea. You know, yeah, and, and so now things are, are, are really starting to get good. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right. We, uh, every time we, uh, we, we go down a tangent here, the calls pile up. So let's get back to it. <laughs> We're going to go to Joe in Indiana. Joe, welcome.
4: How you doing guys? Uh, I just wanted to update you. Joel was talking earlier about the shop in Wisconsin. It's actually in Kenosha. It is Diesel Brothers. It's Patrick. Uh, They're right along the interstate. They're very easy access. Patrick has himself available. I mean, he keeps his phone with him while he's working on trucks. And this is all about the Volvos we were talking about, okay? Keeping your Volvo trucks running. Volvo, um, Patrick is very good, Uh, he's exceptional. His pricing is fair. He's very knowledgeable on these vehicles. And actually, I just left this shop yesterday at about 5 p.m. because I have a Volvo, a 2010 that I bought three years ago for $18,000. And I've put 300,000 miles on it in three years with the help of people like Patrick. So it's Diesel Brothers in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, He's always willing to help, even if you don't come to a shop, which, of course, he wishes you would. <laughs> but he is a man that has knowledge, just Joel. He's willing to share it and help everybody because he believes, you know, in what we all do.
0: Excellent. He's there to
4: make a living, so are we. And we work it as a team. Love that. So, again, if you want a phone number, I could give it to you. But I don't know if you want it over the air or not. Uh, yeah, go ahead. All right, so it's 847 977 0032. Now Excellent. what I generally do is I I might text him first and say, "Hey, when you got a minute, this is my issue, can you call me?" Because again, he is a working man. He's working on the truck. You know, Monday through Friday or whatever his hours are there. So I text him. If he doesn't get back to me in about three hours, he tells me, Call me because I got sidetracked. So he's a great guy to work with.
0: Good. I hope his
4: phone doesn't blow up now.
0: (laughs) Well, I hope it does. I hope (laughs) it does. does. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I
4: hope it does too, to to the right
0: extent. Right. Right.
4: And also, Clint, Clint, Clint Bankston. Down in North Carolina, I use him as well. I try to save up my problems for when I get into their area. And I, I make a scheduled appointment, bring it in. And these guys, because they do Volvos and they do them regularly, have great relationships with the dealers. And sometimes they're able to have parts. Or be able to acquire parts because of their networking
1: Right. that, right.
4: you know, an independent guy like me, I may not be able to get it, but he might be able to, and he'll let you know that. And he also stocks parts. you know, the common stuff that might go wrong. Yeah.
1: So Good. I
4: called him on Wednesday, said, Hey, uh, can you look at my truck? I was in there Wednesday afternoon. He worked on it all day yesterday. I got out last night, paid my bill. And I'm a happier camper for it. So again, Diesel Brothers, Kenosha, Wisconsin.
0: Excellent. All right. Thanks for that. I appreciate it.
4: All
2: right. Thanks. For that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. That I is pretty, pretty
4: awesome. You
0: guys do. You're, you're welcome.
2: Yeah, those, those guys yeah. both, like 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 you said, are just they are just outstanding. And and um, if you're having a problem that you can't get resolved at a dealer, and you can get by either of Patrick's or Clint's shop. Do yourself a favor because these guys are very, very good. Uh, I will tell you right now, if I was in the area of either one of them and couldn't get back to, you know, my my resources back home here, I absolutely would be confident going into either one of these guys' shop and getting problems resolved.
0: Excellent, excellent, good stuff. All right, looks like we've got uh, we've got Kevin back in New York. Kevin, welcome. Uh, hello, is that any better? It is better.
1: What's All on your right, mind today? Going,
9: yeah. No, I was saying you, you were talking earlier about those tires with Michelin uh, where the tread comes, you get more tread as it wears. They've actually been available for a couple of years in Europe in drive tires. And see, the guys that are using them, I know two guys use them on local work, and they are uh, they cannot talk good enough about them. They said they're just
0: unreal tires. See, that's You just, actually get that, better grip as they wear. That's just wrong. We're Americans. We're supposed to get it first, damn it. <laughs> well, you know, I, as I tell
9: everyone, you're still a young country. and
0: uh, You're like a 21-year-old. You know
9: everything, but you actually don't.
2: We're, we're the spoiled little bad.
9: Right? I know.
1: I know. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
9: But uh, a, a question for you, Joel, is um, that new international platform that's coming in with the engine and the gearbox. Do you know if they're going to mm-hmm. bring the... Like the retarder
2: in the gearbox, are they going to bring that to this country as well? I I, I would doubt it. I mean, that's something that in, in Europe we, we tend to be on grade a lot more often. Um, there's going to be some weight issues there and possibly some packaging issues. I haven't heard specifically. Um, if I do hear anything, I'll let everybody know, of course, right away. I'd love to see that. But, uh, oh, yeah. Because once you use one of them, you never want to use a
4: JPEG again. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I agree. I 100 percent agree. I'd love to see it, but you know, there's there's just some weight issues there as far as us making our axle weights when we start throwing that that type of stuff on it. So we'll see. Yeah.
9: Okay. No, because it's not it's
2: not that much. Um,
9: it's not that much more on the gearbox. Basically, it's just you you've extra coolant to cool the gearbox, and then you have just mm-hmm. the the pump in the in the back of the gearbox. So it's not a lot mm-hmm. of weight, but uh, I guess. I guess it'll we'll take a time for it to to come on more, but uh, that engine though the, that they're putting in that international that is that Scania like the Scania Super. That's the same engine, it's right? It's the, the Super. 600? Yeah.
2: Yep. It, it, it's the Super. That's exactly right. Yep.
9: Okay. No, I know a guy running that already, and he's running about forty-four tons, and he's in the tens pretty much all nice. the time. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, he, yeah. Yeah. That,
2: that's definitely a good engine. No, no doubt about it.
9: Yeah, no, we are we are limited over there to fifty-six miles an hour. So like you're you're, you know, you're not going fast. So I guess once you start adding speed onto things will change. But no, I guess if it's got all the overdrive gears, well, that'll that'll make a difference. So, but. no, no, that's all I
3: had. I was just uh,
9: just curious about that with the retarder because uh, I actually just sold my truck. I'm here now picking up the check for it.
0: Ah, there you I'm go. I'm going to wait till uh, next year and see what uh, <laughs> to see what truck prices are like next year. This time. <laughs> They're going to be better than and they, they uh, are right now for the buyers. I'll tell you that.
5: I think so. I, I can't complain. <laughs> that. I'm
9: not going to say what I got for this, but uh, I what I paid for this truck a year and a half ago, I just got a thousand dollars less than what I paid for the year and a half ago.
0: That's incredible. That's so, just crazy.
9: Yeah, which I think, yeah, I think is kind of nuts because he was. I didn't want to say anything. I tried to keep a straight face and he was giving me the number, but. Yeah, I didn't even go haggling. I was like, this is too good. I'm going to keep my mouth shut here. But, uh, all right, then. Thanks very much, guys. And uh, that stuff, Kevin, I, I got to call a guy about that um that jerky, and uh, he still runs on Titli all the time. I'm going to ask him what the story is. So that, cause, uh, I actually never saw it. Yeah. I, it is very popular over there.
0: Yeah, I'd love to hear yeah, from with somebody. The refrigeration,
1: the,
9: yeah, the only thing they say about the refrigeration, that's like the FDA here. It's the same thing over there in Europe. It's a pure nanny state. That's just basically once you open the packaging, they want you to put it in the refrigerator so that, you know, you don't enjoy it or whatever. But, yeah. but I've had that stuff inside in the cab in the middle of the summer, it's been fine. I mean in Spain they hang it out on the side of the road.
0: I, I would think so, exactly. It's, it's a you know, I I opened mine up, yeah. ate a piece, threw it in the drawer and let it sit in there for a couple of days and I'm like looks fine to me, uh, so I'm you know going on a week now. We'll see what happens, but I'm going to call them. I, I think you're right. It's probably just they have to do it, but I have a feeling you could easily ship and store this stuff without refrigeration. That's the whole point of making jerky. Oh, yeah, I, I,
9: yeah, I used to put mine up on the dash because it's like it is tough to eat. It's a oh, lot
0: tougher than the beer. I've and never seen anything I, like you, it. I used to leave mine up on the dash to...
9: Yeah, I used to set it up in the dash just to even soften a bit with the heat right. from the sun coming in the window. Right. But uh
0: But it but I it mean, turns out that, oh, man, I mean, that at first I'm like, My God, why would anybody eat this stuff? You can't even chew it. But that's the that's the appeal. After a while I'm like, Oh no, I could see why I would really love eating this driving down the road.
9: Yeah, because it you it takes away because you're chewing so much <laughs> yeah. or gnawing on it, like you said, that you don't you don't actually feel hungry when you should be feeling hungry. Yeah, because you're yeah, kind it's, of it's almost like you're snacking all day except you're just snacking the one piece.
0: And, and this particular brand, the seasoning on this, boy, they nailed it. It is so good. Yeah, no.
9: See, we can we can do some good stuff in Europe, see, Joe.
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> that's right that's right all right good stuff yeah, we're gonna I, I, oh, we're gonna move along the calls are piling up again let's go to oklahoma paul welcome to the program howdy yeah there's plenty of stuff all over the
7: world that ain't in america america's on the back side of the world last to get some stuff, <laughs> trucking and yeah. and food boys.
0: Yeah, you know we, we don't talk so, about it all that much, but I know Joel's done the same thing. If you study heavy truck fuel economy, you really have to look around the world, not here.
1: Yeah. Um,
7: my truck, which is a twenty fourteen Peterville, forty eight inch sleeper, six hundred Cummins thirteen speed three axle disc brake sixteen thousand eight hundred when it was built. And then I put the the head rack on it to carry the cars, which bumped it up to about twenty five thousand eight hundred, I think.
0: So Oh yeah, that's that's a lot of weight putting all that racking and everything on there. But yeah yeah that the base truck yeah. and Granted, that was a small sleeper, and but still, we we it was such a joke. First off, the whole thing that they they I, I don't care if their truck was ten thousand pounds. You're not going to make any more revenue yep. with that truck than any other truck. The whole concept was ignorant. Yeah, there's yeah. Actually, my
7: tractor unit weighs with the head rack on it twenty five thousand one hundred
0: and twenty. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty heavy, but that—that's a lot of racking on there. But like you said, you started at sixteen.
7: Yeah, and the trailer weighs eighteen eight sixty. So, um, what is the purple haze? What does that weigh? Because I didn't hear the start of your show today.
2: Um, coming out of the factory with a quarter tank of fuel in it, it's eighteen
7: nine. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, talking about repair shops and getting maintenance. I went up to Pittsburgh Power at the end of July and they ran the overhead and cleaned the DPF and everything. Well, the guy that ran the overhead, I guess he knows what he's doing (laughs) because my 90-day average on my full back at the end of July was about 5.3. And now I'm up at 5.63 for my 90-day average. It's just steadily gone up since I, I left there.
0: You know, and when it's you're just, you when know. when you're down in those low numbers and fuel prices are where they are today, three tenths is significant. Yeah, I'm liking it. Yeah, so, but uh,
7: and uh, I I used when I when I first came to this country, you know, I fell for the trap too. Oh, you got to get there. You got to get there. You got to go left lane, seventy five mile an hour. I went to the west coast a lot, so Arizona. New Mexico and that, speed limit was 75. I was doing every bit of that all the time. And then uh, 2008, when I, I went back to New Zealand, and a month later, I came back, and the fuel had gone up a dollar a gallon, and I sort of did it cold turkey. I was like, I'm going to try this. going slow, and I went to 60. And it's like, well, it actually does work.
0: Oh, well, so well for you, most- even more so because of all your horrible aerodynamics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the ugliness starts three feet ahead of the truck, yeah. normally. So. <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs>
1: yeah. But, yeah, so... But a, a
7: friend of mine yesterday...
0: Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, okay.
7: A friend of mine yesterday, he sent me a link about Peterbilt, um, the 389. Let me see what they call on it. Legacy? Uh, Peterbilt launches special edition model 389 X. Peterbilt. Yeah, usual. So going to have the big stacks and the f- nice dashboard and the chrome fenders and extra frilly stuff just and everything.
2: Quick, the, just real quick the only question, build, what is, for, What's the X stand for? It means you're going to be an X owner operator if you buy one. <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, just, I know I'm going to get... I'm gonna oh, get you Peterbilt. are going to get blasted.
7: Everyone knows that X stands for the unknown.
1: Y- yeah. Uh-huh.
7: One, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but when the when the 379 went away they came out with the 379x and then the 379 went away. Well now they're going to build a 1389 of the 389x. So, and I've been hearing rumors for the last couple of years that the 389 is going away and I'm going to guess it's the 389 twenty twenty four is the what I've heard is it's
0: going away. Do you know why? Yeah, it might make the it cuts down their fuel mileage. Yeah, standards. their their fuel mileage standards as a fleet. They they the OEMs came out a decade ago and said at some point we're going to have to stop building classics. Yeah,
7: yeah, well, like if you pull into a truck it, stop somewhere and and you you look down the row and it's like oh. Aerodynamic Kenworth, aerodynamic Freightliner, aerodynamic Volvo, aerodynamic Western Star. Oh, classic <laughs> uh, ugly, ugly car and, and look, and then the rest of the look, you'll have like just, you'll have like two 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 un un-aer, un-aer, aerodynamic trucks and forty aerodynamic ones. And, so and it is what
0: it is. You know, as much as I've talked about this over the years and said I can't understand why somebody who is in business would do that, I I. I think it sucks that they have to stop building those trucks. I wish they could keep building them. If people yeah. want to buy one, they should be allowed to buy one. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the, the classic style Peterbilt,
7: in my opinion, it is the best production truck for hauling cars. That's it, my opinion. Uh, it's you are not the, but it don't really matter.
0: You are not the only person with that opinion. I've heard that the whole time I've been in this industry.
7: Every, you, you, if you spec it as a car, right from the factory, everything is, except the roof, you got to cut the roof off. Everything is low. They put the drop front axle in it. They've got the low, low air leaf on the back end. They put the little tires yeah, on. I, Everything is low. I'm, the lube guys hate you when you pull in i sure. on them. I'm pretty sure. They have those tubes around the around the
0: uh, the pit and you bank. Oops. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure, sure that need to Peter yeah. built over the decades has built more car haulers than anybody.
7: Oh, just guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. On you Volvo, Volvo with their V A H. Um, over the years, like. They had that VAH, I don't know what year that came out, but even some of the union companies like Jack Cooper, they still have some of those trucks that are still working out today. They do less miles than what I do, like a truck that's 10 years old, it might only have a half a million miles on it, but they still have plenty of trucks that were built in the late 90s and they cut the head rack off. And they buy a brand-new trailer, and they put a new head rack on it and put new paint on it and send it back out the gate. Keep on going. There you so go. There's trucks that are in those union fleets that are 20 years old, and they only got 1.2 million miles
0: on them. Well, those late 90s three, Volvos were— Three
7: different head racks.
0: Yeah. 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 All right. So, All right. Here. Good stuff, Paul. Hey, uh, oh, no, we do, have another, uh, we do have another call here. All right, Angie, this is going to be the last one we're going to take this call then we're going to wrap this up today. Jeff in Wisconsin, welcome.
6: Yes, in Wisconsin. Hello guys. see my question is about a uh I'm looking for a dealer. I I live in Wisconsin. Uh I talked to Joel last year and you'd recommended I call Kevin down there in, in Fremont, Nebraska, mm-hmm. or not Nebraska. And Ohio. I had him Yeah. Oh, I had him do me a quote and everything. And he was going to order me a truck, all that. He got his orders cut and he gave me a call this year and said he couldn't get them. And that's what I'm running into around. And I'm just wondering, is that just, you know, I mean, I'm willing to wait the year, year and a half, whatever it is. I just want to get one put on, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I was going to say, now that you're asking about this, I just had a thought, um, We have some new emission standards coming up again in the next couple of years, don't we? Yes, that's correct. So I can see a problem here, a big problem kind of starting to form because this is our like fourth big round of emission changes. Look at the last three and watch what happens with the buying patterns. Fleets go out of their way to buy trucks before the new standards.
2: I think there's a little bit of a difference on this one. You know, the OEMs have known about this one for a much longer time. They've learned from the prior three. I don't think anybody's really going to have much of an issue meeting it. There will be somewhat of a price increase, and they may buy based on price increases for it. But I don't think there's going to be a mad rush to buy based on People afraid of new technology. I
0: um, hope not, because if there so is, it's going to be a mess. Even if there's a little bit of a rush, it's mm-hmm. going to hurt because we already have shortages of everything. Right. Co- correct. Yes. I mean, yes. I got. I, I I'm. Agree. I'm overly sensitive to this because my worst truck ever in my entire career was because of this issue. Because I got. I got I my. You my build pushed back so far that I ended up getting a completely different truck than what I ordered. And it was the worst truck I've ever owned. Correct.
2: Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And a lot of fleets are sensitive to it as well. Yeah. You know, they got smoked in the first, the first couple go arounds on this, especially the first one. And, uh, so there is a little bit of hypersensitivity to it, but I, I think, uh, I think we're really starting to get a handle on the emissions thing. And and as technology improves and we can have access to supercomputers to start modeling, you know, combustion and whatnot, um, I, I think, I think we've got a pretty damn good handle on this next round of emissions. I hope so.
0: All right. Anything else? So. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. Well, So
6: sorry about that. So is there, I mean, do you have anybody else that possibly you could get a mobile from in the future? Are they all going to be kind of the same deal that they just ain't getting the orders that they want or what?
2: Um, You know, it's going to be dealer to dealer. You may call multiple different dealers. If you have a spec, any dealer can order you that spec and, and what we're finding it's hit and miss. Um, Some of the smaller dealers that deal with typically owner operators, they may be sold completely out and not have any more slots. Some of the bigger dealers that may be dealing with fleets that may have a fleet cancellation, you know, they could have 150 slots open up tomorrow. And I've seen guys that have done this. They've just called around and boom, they found a dealer that, you know, they had a fleet cancel and they've got slots again. So uh, you'll probably have to make some phone calls in order to figure out who's got what. I I have no idea um, what order boards look like. I have no access to that, and and quite frankly, I don't want
6: to get involved
2: with that because I spend <laughs> just all of my time, yeah, you know,
6: right. running down slots oh, with people. So yep, I've, yeah, I kind of figured yeah. that's how that would go. And then one other question, Joel. So if a guy does have a spec, do you mm-hmm. through that Alpha drivers? I mean, can we mm-hmm. pay you to look at it and make sure it's what we need? Or yep, how does absolutely. That absolutely. How uh, how would I so you, go about you doing can get, that?
2: You can get a hold of me at it's joel mm-hmm. at alphadrivers-tc.com. Send me an email, and um, and then as soon as you have... Spec and when you go into the Volvo dealer, you're just going to be asking them for the i Torque spec. Um, that's going to be the kind of the foundation that they're going to work off of. So they know that you want the aggressive down speeding and you want the deep reduction transmission, and and um, that'll kind of set the stage for everything else to come. You guys put together what you think is good and then send me the build sheet, and I'll go over it and make suggestions. And then from that point, you can do you know, kind of whatever you want based on the suggestions that I give you and, and get the truck ordered.
6: Okay, that's – and he told me just yesterday that he called his rep and got, you know, your your spec or whatever. So Gotcha. Okay, so we're gotcha. headed in the right direction. So I wrote that down. Awesome. I'm going to be in touch, Joel. So thank you guys very awesome. much. I really appreciate you guys.
0: You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Thanks. All right, uh, Joel, what do you want to wrap up with?
2: I don't know. It's kind of a nice day here, I think, and I just want to get out of
0: Dodge. (laughs) There there you go. I'm I'm kind of thinking the same thing. We've, We've done two and a half hours with no breaks. It's Friday. I think we deserve to take off now.
2: Yeah, no words of wisdom. I've got stuff i got to deal with on the truck. They just got my graphics on, and I tagged you on a post on Facebook. I it just saw it. It looks way better than what I thought it was going It to. looks pretty, stunning. Pretty cool.
0: I like it. I just saw so the that post. Is, it looks really good.
2: That, that is pewter, light copper,
0: zinc, and bright silver. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, quite a combination, <laughs> pretty, but it's, uh, it's cool. it jumps out yeah. at you. Yeah, it really does. It sure does. Yeah. So I am... uh, Cool. I'm getting ready tomorrow to run my my coach back down to the factory. Um, I'm pretty sure this is going to be like a major upgrade. I think we're going to do everything. I'm going to have them go through all the hoses. Yeah. We decided to keep it. I was thinking about getting something else because I'm I'm just putting so many miles on it. And I'm starting to find out that... These don't do that well with a lot of miles on them, even the really quality builds, lines and hoses. I'm just going to have them, I'm going to say put two mechanics on this, and I want them to look at every single hose and line underneath, pull panels off. If something's rubbing, fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, let, let's let try to cut this off at the pass, and then we're probably just going to mm-hmm. do, like, a major upgrade. Interior, new tile, new countertops, bunch of stuff, and uh, nice. just keep running. I really, really like it. I really do. I like everything about it, so I think it's time. We're just going to put a bunch of money into it, and awesome. then um, this winter I think we're going to do a bunch of trips. I have a, uh, a speaking engagement coming up in... Memphis, I think. Maybe it's Memphis and Nashville. I think I had two of them back to back for an insurance company. Um, I haven't done any of these in a long time. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I think I may get out and do some more of this again. So, um, as soon as I I get my my trailer hooked up to this truck and get out on the road,
2: let me know where you're going to be and maybe we can. Yeah. At
0: some point. Yeah, that's a good idea because I think we're going to wander around most of this winter. I think we're going to stay here till we close out the garden, and then I think we're going to kind of wander around the country a lot this winter, and maybe go do some more of the speaking, go to some of the events. So yeah, we'll actually uh, we'll find you. That's for sure. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. We're going to wrap this up. It's been a great week. Um, Lots and lots of calls this week. That's been awesome. Keep them coming. We'll see you back here next week. Have a great weekend. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.